Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. Thank you for downloading this episode and I am very excited that you are listening because I had an awesome chat with my guest on this episode, Mr. Guy Oliver. Guy is the owner of GW Oliver Construction, uh, which was a large part of what we talked about, of course, but it was also incredible to hear about the last 40 years of his life and how he has developed both personally and professionally, and some of the important things that he's learned over those years. I told him when I was speaking with him, I think I said it on the outro of this episode, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to be going back and listening to this episode a few times because there's lots of great stuff in it. So thanks again for downloading this episode. I know you're going to look forward to hearing about amazing pool construction, hunting, and a few things that Guy is doing that he doesn't talk often about, but are pretty powerful and effective in the community. Thanks again, Guy, for coming on to the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. I really appreciate you coming out and hanging out with me, even though we haven't met before. I hope we can do it again sometime, and best of luck this hunting season. Thanks again for downloading. Hope you enjoy this chat with Guy Oliver. Cool. Well, Guy, uh, thanks for coming out. We are officially recording, so we're good to go. Okay. Um, again, it's a pleasure to meet you, um, meeting some strange person and coming to have a chat. Appreciate you being willing to do that. Good. Um, I, um, I'm actually semi-related to the wife of someone who works for you, Todd right. and yeah. Kirby. Um, and she, uh, massive shout out to her cause she thought uh, that we might have an interesting chat. And, um, again, based on just meeting you, I'm looking forward to doing this. Yeah. So you are the owner of GW Oliver construction. That's correct. I've perused your website and Facebook. Let me just say at the beginning that the stuff that y'all do is amazing. Looks incredible. looks like the, it's like the, for somebody who's listening that hasn't seen pictures yet, right. we should go look them up. But it looks like mostly the pools and backyards of famous celebrities in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like, it's it's crazy. It's very, very cool stuff. Um, yeah. My first question is, what all does your company cover in the realm of construction? Are you mainly and only focused on pools and outdoor? Today we are. Yeah, okay. we originally, when I started 20 years ago, we were uh, started building homes. Okay. So at the time I was, well, my first, owned a business in college, just cutting grass, sold that company my senior year of college, you know, not for a huge retirement lick, but mm -hmm. made a little bit of money, uh, got a job for about six months and realized I did not want to work for somebody else. And so since I couldn't really go back into lawn business, since I signed a non-compete on a mm. napkin at a McDonald's, <laughs> which I'm sure wasn't binding, but I wanted to honor it. Yeah. One day I was at the office and I saw a bunch of guys in the parking lot washing cars. And so I started doing the math. I was making whopping with my college degree in general studies after six grueling years, mm. nine fifty an hour. Oh wow. So I went from cutting grass making thirty five forty an hour to nine fifty an hour, which was a huge uh, loss in income. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing the math, watching them wash cars, figuring they're knocking out two an hour at twenty two dollars a car, that's forty four dollars an hour. And if I could knock out one by myself, I'm still getting a double raise yeah. if I just start washing cars. So uh, two weeks later, I put in my resignation. And luckily, my old boss, one of my boss, I had four bosses, but uh, one of them that I was really close to, Jack Jobert, who used to play LSU football, oh, okay. was the center for 
when Burt Jones was there a hundred years ago. Okay. And uh, I said, Jack, if I were if I quit, could I possibly have a chance at washing your car? Nice. He said, if you want to wash my car, come wash the car. <laughs> Just come on a different day than they come. Yeah. So make a long story. Two weeks, three weeks after I gave my resignation, uh, I was in their parking lot washing cars. My first customer was Max Boss. That's cool. So it was funny and just started washing cars. And that was probably at 23, 24. And okay. Figured I'd do that for a couple of years and be a mega entrepreneur. Well, I, I realized last week when 9-11 hit, I actually saw the towers hit at a car wash customer's house. So I was still 33. Wow. Still washing cars. Wow. And at the time, I'd started cleaning pools and... I'd built a home for myself and my, uh, you know, and built it myself, self-contracted. So learned, just kind of learning things on the whim. Mm -hmm. But so uh, after 10 years of washing cars and, you know, having a little marketing company we talked about, I was back to square one. Didn't have a whole lot of success the first 10 years. And, uh, but about a year after that, ended up getting my contractor's license and starting this journey along construction. And uh, luckily, about uh, a year or so after that, I was living in a neighborhood off Blue Bonnet called Fairhill, mm -hmm. and the neighborhood pool was dirty. And uh, so I got a phone call uh, saying, man, the pool's dirty. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, they pay $400 a month. And it was Max's wife called me. We're dear friends today. And she said, uh, 400 a month. And I figured... I could jump the fence of my backyard, get to the pool, and make an extra 400 a month. Problem is, I didn't know nothing about cleaning pools. Okay. So I called a local pool company, and their service guy happened to answer the phone. Nice. And uh, he helped me out and met me out there. I gave him a little uh, $100 mm -hmm. to show me how pools worked. And on that room to this day, you can see my handwriting on the unfinished sheetrock in that commercial pool room of how to backwash a filter, really? how to turn the valves. <laughs> And so 18, 19 years ago, I was starting to build homes and started cleaning pools, washing cars, building homes. You're just doing all kind of things. Doing everything. Yeah. And then uh, ultimately learned how to change a pool motor, just learning on the fly. Uh-huh. And so uh, that went ahead. And so fast forward to about 35, 36. By that time, I'd helped a buddy build his own pool, had started replastering pools, subbing it out and change pool liners and you're talking about probably at the time getting up generally at four in the morning cleaning pools in the dark wow. and getting home around 11. wow so it was a grueling when people tell you they work 60 hours a week it was more like 15 hours a day seven days a week dang it was for i mean probably 10 or 15 years i mean there was no hunting there was no vacations there was mm -hmm. nothing so and you're and you're mainly by yourself during all this. Pretty much, I would hire a little guy to help me wash cars, and mm -hmm. you know, big CEO. I had CEO on my business card. Which nice. I had one employee, <laughs> so it wasn't exactly a CEO, but it sounded good. Yeah, you were you're working like one. Yeah, I was getting it, and it was just labor. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just you know, on Sundays you'd be changing a pool liner, but luckily building a little bit of capital just by trading dollars and just killing it, and then. Uh, so you so during that period you had car wash business, mm -hmm. the pool business, cleaning, and building homes and home construction, mainly cleaning pools and then home construction. Yeah, it was just labor. It was my yeah. car wash was going to people's offices and washing cars, you know. But you could, you know, the thing I love about America is even doing that, 
if you put in a good 10, 12 hour day and you got a wax job in the middle of that, there's days you make 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's like, if you want to work, you can make some money. You don't have to be a, you know, a a big business leader, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't killing it, but I was making good money and my uh, ex-wife was a nurse, so she was doing well Mm -hmm. and we put together an income, Mm -hmm. you know, we could save a little bit of money here and there. And then ultimately, uh, I had a chance to build a house. I went and got my construction license and started GW Oliver Construction. And so. And what year was that? I'm guessing, just based on where I was, it's probably, uh, if we're in 2020 now, it's probably right around 2001, 2002. Oh, okay. I think is my best recall. It's just about 20 years old now, close to. Okay. And, uh, you know, would be, do a couple friends' homes and then. Built a home for a gentleman who I became dear friends with, an older gentleman, and he said, look, I got some extra capital. Let's do some spec homes. So he was the investor. Very cool, yeah. Then I picked up another investor and uh, kind of took off. Didn't make a whole lot of money, miss bid. You know, you just, you're mm-hmm. learning the ropes. Right. You know. So you, you the kind of the catalyst, or you were doing the lawn business, that you said. That was in college, yeah. Right. And then the kind of the catalyst that set you off on this hustle it was working for somebody else. You just, you, you know, did, what did it, it for work. me was the company I was working for is a phenomenal billion dollar company, but being out of general studies degree, the only jobs I was interviewing for was whole life insurance companies. Okay. And I learned very quickly. Everybody got to interview those cause they wanted you to bring a list and nothing wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. a great business. I have friends that do very well. It wasn't me, but, uh, I just couldn't get a job. I did not have a marketable skill except entrepreneur, which was car wash and right. lawn, but not even car wash time, lawn business. So when I got this job, I, I became a chemical technician for a great company called Betts. I think they're Betts GE now. And I worked at Exxon and Dow catching water samples. It was me and there were three other chemical technicians. They were all Southern University students. Oh, wow. So okay. I literally had a job, didn't even require a college right. degree because right. I'm working with interns. Right. Well, I've always been an aggressive worker, so I didn't sit around. So by about the third week, I realized I could do all four of our jobs. <laughs> so I went to my boss. I said, look, I'm not trying to knock anybody out of a job here, but we're not doing any work. Mm-hmm. I-, I could do this in three hours a day. I'm used to working. Mm-hmm. When I cut grass, I eat. If I worked, I got to eat. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't you let those three go? Let them get their degrees. Give me one of their salaries so y'all save two salaries. You cut your cost in half. I'll handle everything. Nice. I don't care how long it takes. And they, corporate America doesn't work like that. Right. So, he's, so I learned so very quickly. No. He said, dude, it, it makes sense, but that ain't going to fly. Right. They don't, we don't roll like that. Right. So I literally had to waste time. And literally on Sunday nights would get nauseous. It's sickest feeling I ever had. I never had the feeling before knowing I had to go back to work. Wow. And waste time. Wow. And find a way to fill an eight-hour day doing nothing hiding in control rooms at Exxon. I mean, just total out of my kilter, Mm -hmm. working with great people. And so one of my four bosses told me one day, you know, I see potential in you. One day you're going to be where I'm at. So I thought about that. He was complimenting me, which he's still one of the nicest guys on earth, but it scared the heck out of me because I didn't want to be where he was. Mm -hmm. Because the way that pay structure worked, it wasn't true free enterprise sales. I kept hearing them talk because I'm always listening. Mm-hmm. I've always been a huge information gatherer. Even when I was a high school kid, even though I was a knucklehead, <laughs> if entrepreneurs were talking, I was listening. 
it's just weird. I had a, like you doing these podcasts, I wanted knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wisdom seeker, I call it. So um, I heard them talking about their territories getting cut and their quotas changing. So mm-hmm. I started asking Doyle, my uh, boss, I said, now how does it work? And he was kind of explaining that, you know, I said, well, so if you sell six million in chemicals, you don't make three times more than the guy selling two million. He said, well, no, it's a territory thing. Yeah. And next year you got to hit this and hit this. I said, well, that doesn't sound like free enterprise to me. That doesn't interest me at all. Hmm. If I could sell 10 million and you sell two million and I can make unlimited money. Now, some sales jobs work like that. Right. I, I didn't, it, I don't think this company did. Mm-hmm. Never truly understood it, but I just realized. You didn't like I it. I kind of wanted to do my own thing yeah. and see if. I could shine. Now, I thought I would shine a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought I was a lot sharper than, <laughs> than I ended up being. And it was, uh, you You said there was about 10 years doing car, wa- car oh, washing. More than, yeah, 23, 33, I was still washing. Yeah, and so, and around that time was whenever you started building homes, uh, exploring the homes and the pools. But, you know, my favorite, biggest passion now by far is bow hunting. Nice. I love to bow we hunt. We can definitely talk about hunting yeah, for sure. So I have a place up in Mississippi. I bought a beautiful place with nine other guys it's just a dream i never thought i'd own it where's it at uh just south of vicksburg seven thousand acres on the river it's just we own our own home there and our mobile homes we all have beautiful camps and yeah i've never been able to do it on my own but you know we all pulled together and called togo island it's just that's awesome just a beautiful place i'm hoping you mentioned before we started that you're about to turn 52 yeah. Is that right? I'm 31 right now, so I am hoping by the time I'm turning 52, I also have a awesome um, camp to go hunt out like the that. The beautiful thing about it was, it's a crazy story, is from probably mid-20s to early 40s, I hunted zero. Mm. Gave it all up. And uh, so that's pretty pretty crazy that I literally gave up the thing I loved the most because quite frankly, I wasn't hunting places that were really game abundant to keep it pure. You know, I just, I love to be in the woods, mm-hmm. but you start learning your, you know, it's just, I wasn't, I was spending a lot of time and very little results and I just didn't have time anymore. I'm working. Mm-hmm. Was know, it because, was did you do that because you knew that you liked to work a lot and you wanted to invest the time now so that now that you're 52, you have the extra time? Hoping. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, that was the plan. Yeah. If I ever did make any money, now you hit 40 and you realize you made some, you've given it back, and you really didn't have anything to show for it. Mm. You looked rich, you looked, I had some nice stuff. I was trying to fake the world out like a lot of people do, but mm-hmm. I realized one day you wake up and realize nobody's watching. Mm. <laughs> Nobody really cares. Right. Everybody's so self-absorbed. The people you're trying to impress are self-absorbed, so you don't care about them anymore once you get older. And the people that truly care about you don't care either because they care about you one way or another. Mm. So you're trying to impress people. It just doesn't work. Mm. You know, it just makes certain people sick because you're arrogant. The people that are impressed, you shouldn't want to impress anyway. Cause, right. So <laughs> anyway. That's good stuff. <clears throat> but the craziest part, I, when I did get home at night, I'd watch DVDs. Y'all might not even know what this is at 31 years old. I DVDs are. <laughs> you know, I'd watch the hunting videos. And oh, like, I yeah. used to love the video, Primos Outdoors, The Truth. I've heard it was that. more local. Yep. And the funny story is, when I hit 43, 44, one of my ex-customers, a good friend of mine, was going to look at a piece of property to buy. Mm-hmm. And I, he said, why don't you ride with me? We rode with him and look at the property. And... He said, man, why don't you partner with me? And I finally started realizing, well, I got a little more money. 
not rich, but I actually started thinking I actually can afford this. You mm -hmm. know, you kind of, you're broke for so long, you get used to broke. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just weird when you wake up and you have a little more money and a little, it kind of sneaks up on you that you have a little something. I was, uh, I, I was curious, I was curious, like, did you, did you figure out how to make more or was it just, you just put in the time and it just worked out as no, you, you got better? No, you realize what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, you start knowing where to put a house, maybe, you know, some of that. But the crazy part of the story is when we get out of the truck to look at that property, the one of the stars of Primos Outdoors, the really? TV show, gets out of his truck. And I recognize <laughs> him from Brad Ferris is his name. He hunts Will Primos. He's on TV today. You can go look at the Primos episode and there's Brad. Hmm. And I'm like starstruck being a hunter. Yeah. If you're not a hunter, you don't know who he is. But I'm like, wait, you're Brad Ferris. So make <laughs> the long story, Brad sold us that property. Cool. Brad and I became friends. So the guy I used to watch for 10 years on TV steps out of a truck. And now he's one of my partners in, in Togo. Wow. That's and really cool. Now Primos, the show I watched, films Togo, films the TV show on Togo some, no way. some years. So you used to watch the show and now you got now they land on our property. that shows up on the show. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm like, only God can come up with that. No doubt. That's cool. Like crazy, crazy story. So what's, uh, what's your, what's the biggest deer you ever killed? Oh man, I mean, you know deer, so the biggest I've got right now is a 160 inch deer I killed in Kansas. So I, I don't nice. have any true giants, but That's I got a, a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the 130 to 160 range. Yeah, is that kind of office. and a lot of those are from your land in Mississippi? Yeah, the biggest I've killed on Togo is 150 inch eight point, which was just a beautiful deer. That's big. That's nice. And uh, a couple 140s. So mm -hmm. we, but it's it's for bow hunting, as you know, yeah, free range bow hunting where there's no fences, right. It's very difficult no to doubt. kill a wild deer with no a bow, doubt. so it's been a lot of fun. But uh, so you go to uh, Kansas every year? Yeah, I go to Kansas every year. Go to Illinois every year now. My dad's. Uh, so, I haven't gone to Can. Actually, I haven't actually bow hunted yet. I I've been hunting my whole life, uh -huh. and then just in the past couple of years, my dad uh, has gotten into it. And so, but this this winter, I'm going to bow hunt at least once. Just so start? I can, yes, I've done it's it. My, my uncle has a farm up um, in Concordia Parish that we hunt on. Um, so I'm going to sit in a bow stand at least once this, this year. Um, exciting. But my dad, they've been going to Kansas uh, every year up there to love it. bow hunt up there. Yeah, it's awesome. And so hopefully I'll be doing that um, soon. I mean, I don't want to rush it, though, because you got to have the, some extra money and some extra time it to go up time. there. It takes time. And, you know, like you said, I mean... It, you're 52 i'll be leaving tomorrow evening to go to my place every weekend i go now my that's cool my guys know my kind of schedule now unless mm -hmm. something comes up crazy mm -hmm. but yeah i was i, I actually the it yeah the way you're kind of describing your your work and life now like you go hunting and on the weekends and stuff um it, maybe somebody could um interpret that as you're doing a lot more uh, or a lot less time working and uh, managing people more rather than doing the hard work. But you're sitting here right now. You got your hands are dirty from doing work. I'm assuming earlier today. Uh, so you definitely don't sit behind a desk and push papers. <laughs> <laughs> Still out there doing it. Yeah, guess I should have washed my hands. <laughs> nah, no, no, you're right. That's I mean, great. I got to a pool right before I came here and I had to uncover some bisqueen. We gun it and I wanted to breathe and yeah. cool off. So. But make a long story short, we, we ran all those other companies for a while, end up building the pool cleaning company up to where we had people running it. Pool construction eventually happened. 
probably 15 years ago, built our first pool in that group. But today you asked, all we do is pools now. Okay. We don't build outdoor structures. We don't, we don't do homes anymore. We shut the home construction company down probably uh, four or five years ago, I think six years ago. Mm-hmm. And we ventured out now, we've uh, gone in a cool direction where we're licensed now from Texas to Georgia. Okay. Wow. So we, we have projects coming up in Georgia right outside of Atlanta. We have three projects coming up in San Antonio. I'm actually going to Houston Tuesday with some guys to look at a big project in Houston we might do over here. That's cool. So it's the commercial world has grown mm-hmm. to where we're doing a lot more commercial big pools. We did a couple, built a pool for the Saints, mm. built two pools for I the Pelicans, and you know about to do a couple more for the Pelicans maybe in the Smoothie King Center. So we've kind of... You know, we're doing some commercial pool, a residential pool on the second floor in Kenner. So A second floor residential pool. Yeah, it's going to be cool. A negative wow. edge sitting on a guy's second floor. Wow. So That's crazy. We're getting, you know, they got some great pool builders and batteries. I'm friends with many of them. So, you know, it's not just us. They got one of my dear friends as I've been in business 40 years, do a great job. But we uh, luckily have gained the trust of people to do some of the more complicated projects, mm. you know, that just because of experience, we've just, we built a lot of difficult stuff and through trial and error, we've gotten better. Mm-hmm. And I got some of the best employees. These guys are awesome. Uh, how many people do you have in your company? Who, I believe between like 15 and 20, I'd have okay. to count them. My wife runs the company. I'm more the field operative i see so uh but yeah in the field we probably have uh any given day six to eight staff we do a lot of our own work we Mm -hmm. also do use subcontractors at certain times but we do a lot self-performing so every day we show up at the office get the crews get the excavators loaded and get out and start doing construction a lot of the smaller guys including me when i started was simply just a guy who hired subs to build mm-hmm. you know we've luckily through the years grown enough and had enough capital to start buying some equipment and getting to where we could run some of the bigger projects and afford to hire a little better people or not better people but more you know highly skilled people i should say mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> so now we actually are put a purchase agreement on a warehouse space oh nice so we could separate our home office from where we operate out of right. so we could have a lot more and you've got the home offices right there on the interstate uh, off on the interline. interline. That's yeah. correct. Right as you go, right before airline. Um, we moved in there five years ago, I think. Okay. Cur- so. Actually, Kirby made a comment. I was talking to her once about it because mm-hmm. uh, I, I had known Todd worked for you uh, and I knew the name of the company and then just randomly driving down the interstate, I happened to look over and see the logo on the side of the building and then Kirby made the comment that um, I think like whenever y'all bought it, you, you kind of said that it was free billboard space just being right on the side of the interstate. It's crazy because that's how I got the idea is, you know, when I first got in the business, you're trying to get market share, just like you guys, mm-hmm. your company here. And uh, you're competing. With, I, I had two great competitors that have been in the business 30, 40 years. These guys were stalwarts. They were very good, built some beautiful projects. Well, I had to get some market share. So I started doing investing, reinvesting some of my money in advertising, some of the local magazines. And one day I had the idea maybe to rent a billboard. Mm-hmm. And so I checked the rates, and I forget the exact rates, but the rates were somewhat as much as what I would, uh, you know, 
cost me if I bought a place and built my own building and put a <laughs> billboard on the back of the interstate. Yeah. <clears throat> I said, well, I could actually have an asset, invest that money into my own building, mm-hmm. and one day have it paid for. Like, it's been there five or six years, so now it's a, you know, I'm the tenant, but I'm also the landlord. Yeah. <clears throat> so, nice. you know, each month I get a rent check from uh, a pretty dependable right. source. Right, very dependable, yeah. <laughs> versus, you know, if I was paying that to another company right. just for a billboard, nothing wrong with billboards. I'm actually building a pool for one of the billboard executives right now. Are so you? I'm not dogging billboards. <laughs> Love the billboards, but <laughs> I built a building that became a billboard. Yeah, that's cool. So, that's very smart. Um, huge stretch at the time, though. Really? Oh, gosh. Everything I did was stupid. Every, every, I was always stretched, you know, panicked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I stayed, probably stayed panicked for 20 years, just I'd wake up sweating, you know. Really? Huh. You know, just, what kept what, what kept you going through it? Oh, fear. Just, really? You know, I don't know what motivates other people, but <laughs> you know, you read the business books. You got to write a goal. Got to have a plan. I had no plan. I had no goal. I never started a single company in my lifetime. I had any experience doing. Hmm. It's the weirdest thing on earth. I've started building houses. Never built a house. <laughs> I built my own house, but nobody taught me. My dad was a builder. So, yeah, but your dad built homes in the eighties. I said I was thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn. Yeah. So, you know, I started washing cars. I'd only wash, kind of ever washed professionally. I just figured I could do it. Mm-hmm. Started cleaning pools, called the local pool company, wrote the notes on the wall. You know, you just started doing things, you mm-hmm. know. One time I owned an electrical company. You know, I had a licensed really? electrician working for me. But personally, I got out of that quick because I realized I know nothing about <laughs> this and I'm trusting way too much. Right. So that didn't last too long. Really? So... Uh, tell me about the first pool that you built and how you kind of got that job. And because you mentioned you're competing for market share and you got great competitors out there. Well, um, the first deal I ever did pool construction wise was a, a good buddy in town here was wanting his pool replastered. Okay. And, and, and again, I, that I just don't know means, much, but well, you got a gunite pool and it's covered with a plaster coating. And so we were just going to do a simple replaster where okay. I sub something out. When we get into the job, we realize he has a bunch of metal piping in the pool. The pool's so old. So we mm-hmm. end up demoing all the piping. So in the end, I rebuilt the whole piping system with help, of course, through mm-hmm. subs. And that made me eye-open that I just built a pool minus the gunite shell. The gunite shell is the concrete. you know. That, okay. So at that point, that was kind of the first real construction job I did. And it told me that if I could find a gunite company, all I got to do now is do that part of the job and now i'm a pool builder cool and so like i said that was probably and then one of the first pools i did was my personal pool which was a disaster i plumbed <laughs> it myself and if you went to the house today it's just god awful compared <laughs> to my guys now there you still haven't redone it well i don't live there anymore oh, okay that's been many many <laughs> okay you know one wife ago and i got you you know so uh but it's so it kind of it sounds like it was running along the theme of of a lot of the other things you've mentioned is you just jump in and figure it out. Jump in, figure it out, and <clears throat> through you know through your life, you grow as a human. You you hopefully as you it, when you're at forty, you're a better person than at thirty. So being flawed my whole life, the one thing I tried to do, even during times of my life, which you know I wish I could take back, was ethically, business wise, mm. I didn't want to leave anybody hanging. Mm. So. <clears throat> You know, I remember a guy referring me for a job. I, I got a pool to build in Riverbend one day about 12, 14 years ago, and the guy that hired me said, I talked to four or five people you had worked for, uh, 
and three or four were really good. And one said, you really did an awful job. Wow. No, I'm sorry. The pool that gave me the referral was from Riverbend. This was probably about 10 years ago. I said, well, why'd you hire me? He said, because for six months you stayed with him looking for a leak in that pool. And that impressed me that you never left him. Because mm. there was no money left on the bone. There's no meat on that bone. Mm -hmm. It's just I had to learn. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't the three good referrals. It was the one that was not a bad referral, but he said he never left me. Mm. He said he made some mistakes. He could tell he was green. But by God, in the end, he made the leak fix. I finally figured it out. and uh, That's cool. Ended up building two pools for the guy that hired me because of that referral. And that guy was actually my partner in the first piece of property I bought. Really? So Man. we ended up being partners and still friends to this day. Hmm. So... Just want to make sure we tried to do it right. I'm mm -hmm. sure with 800, 1,000 projects, I don't know how many we've done, there's got to be a couple out there that I didn't get word that weren't happy. Mm -hmm. But we sure try. And if, you know, if we can, if we can do it right, we do. That's good. So you, just, think, you think you've done 800 or 2,000 projects? Oh, I mean, between homes and pools, you figured right. you're doing 50 pools a year for the past 12 years. That's probably... Wow, y'all do 50 six, a year, wow. Yeah, that's probably... Six, I, don't know, I don't know how many. <laughs> and I got buddies been in the business 40 years, probably did thousands, but mm -hmm. enough to where you've learned. Mm -hmm. You made a lot of mistakes, and you realize, don't do that again. Mm -hmm. But now we've built in so many processes to the thing now. Now we have a mobile website where... Every pool we build, the contract, the plans are all on a app in here. And everything we do, we take multiple pictures of every angle of everything we do. And that's downloaded to the app, which the customer has access to that. Oh, so cool. I can be in Kansas and check every single job. And now we're starting to put cameras on every job. On the job site. Wow. We, we, we buy a camera for every job. Uh, starting next month, we're starting to implement this to where... I can literally, no matter where I'm at, if I just have Wi-Fi or cell service, I can mm -hmm. look up every job to see what makes your crews are there. That's cool. And then the pictures take the pictures of the detail stuff. So right. you know, I can be in Kansas, and at night when I get back to the lodge that we stay at, I can go through every single job and see mm -hmm. what the guys accomplished, making sure the processes were followed because we have very, very strict checklist of every day, and we have multiple layers that have to check it. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an estimator in-house. We have a pool designer in-house. So everybody's checking everybody now. That's so. cool. So where did so where did you find the – I'm curious to know the balance between when you're building um, and doing all the work because, you're, you're, you know, you're out in the field doing the projects. Where did you find the balance between that and then implementing the processes like that you're mentioning? Where did you – did well, you, you know, just have to uh, sacrifice the time? A major part or? of my life happened about five, six years ago when I was still running everything. Mm -hmm. There was a very wealthy man – that I know, and I was having a conversation with him, and we were talking about everything I do. He was so much, I mean, I'll never have the wealth he does. Mm -hmm. But luckily, he and I were friends, and we were eating dinner together, and he was just asking about my businesses and where my income came from and where my problems came from. And he said, of all your companies, I think at the time, we owned three or four companies at the time, and he said, what's your favorite business? I said, I love pools. He said, where do you make the most money? And it's almost as stupid when I repeat it that I had to hear this out loud. <laughs> I said, uh, I make the most money on pools. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, so he started talking about my pool cleaning company, which is a separate company than the construction company, the electric company. <laughs> he said, so where's your most problems come from? I said, building homes. 
says I had good people running it, but not great people. Mm. I don't want to say anybody was bad, but just not running it. You know, basically, we were only good because everybody else wasn't great. Okay. But we weren't great. You know, mm-hmm. I call it the queen of pigs. <laughs> when you're only good because everybody else is bad. Yeah. I actually had a client call me the queen of pigs one time. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. He was great. But, I mean, <laughs> it, it hit me between the eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he asked me, so, wait, if you're making more money on pools, you love pools, why do you do anything else? Mm-hmm. I said, well... This is about how ignorant I was. You're talking, to, I was in my mid-40s. Hmm. I wasn't 20. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you got to understand, those companies helped cover the overhead of my building I just built, you know, and uh, he said, so let me repeat what you just said. So we have unprofitable companies helping you cover overhead of a profitable company. He said, I'm not a genius, but why don't we just double the profitable company, get rid of the unprofitable companies, then you just won't cover overhead, you'll actually make profits. Mm-hmm. And I made a comment, I said, well, I think my problem is I'm too nice. Mm. He said, okay, tell me more about that. I said, well, I got a guy running some of these companies that are good friends of mine, and he said, okay, I get that. And he said, but aren't you the CEO? Well, I didn't have the title, but I said, oh, I guess. He said, so let me get this again. So you have friends running unprofitable companies. He said, but I know people that make a lot of money building houses. So if somebody ran it right, you'd make money. So why would you, uh, why would your friends not make you money? He said, let me tell you what I think. I know your three daughters. I know your wife, I know you have employees. He said, I think your problem is you're not really a CEO, you're what's called still a sole proprietor. Hmm. He said, you do this the same way you hunt. You love to bow hunt, you love to go out the earliest, you love to put the most stands out, you love to work in the off season, which I do. Mm-hmm. You like to make things very difficult. The dirt on my hands, mm-hmm. you know. He said, you, if you ever wanna have anything really in life, you're going to have to become a CEO and quit being a sole proprietor. He said, if your buddy who's running that company was treating it the way you treated it, you'd be making profit on the company he's running for you. So I think the words you meant to use instead of nice, because nice is not, you have other employees out there. They come to work every day, leave their families, trusting you to create a profit to help them bonus them, get them raises, have some of their dreams come true. It's not mm-hmm. just about you. So when you don't run your companies efficiently, that's not nice. That's mean. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have one employee, you pay a lot, you pay him a lot more money than you pay the other ones? I said, yeah, twice as much. Hmm. But he doesn't make any money. Can you really look me in the eye, guy, he told me, and tell me he works as hard as you did? I said, no, he doesn't. He said, no, you're not nice, you're weak. Hmm. You're weak. Wow. And it kind of cut me open a little bit because I said to myself, kind of a a wow moment, Mm -hmm. if you would. Mm -hmm. He said, I'd love to see what you could build if you'd become a CEO. Well, the story goes two weeks later, you know, just I kept thinking it, thinking it, thinking it got to a job he was running. It was going terrible. And I just had enough. And I used the old Walt Disney World thing. When he showed up, I was spitting nails because he wasn't doing his job. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't ability. 
He just wasn't doing it. Mm. Good dude. I, I mean, great guy, I say, but wasn't running his company right. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, I heard Walt Disney World said one time, he told his employees, let's see if I can help you find your happy place because it's not here anymore. <laughs> and Man. I remember telling him that, and I said, this ain't going to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm shutting this down. And so without going into a long story, we kind of shut that down. I was scared to death because... Mm -hmm. I gave all the projects that were coming up, I had to give away. I actually gave them to him. He started his own business and gave them to him. And uh, we had to start recouping that overhead. And, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, firm believer that, you know, God's in control, uh, even in my life when I was totally lost. But, you know, as you get older, you start realizing that's a little more important, or mm -hmm. a lot more important. And doors just started opening. And we started building, we started getting some contracts, you know, an out-of-state guy would call us for a commercial pool you know like we got jobs in Slidell right now in Lake Charles and Lafayette and these relationships I don't even know where they come from mm -hmm. you know my wife's phenomenal at uh business creation and she's so detailed you know like I'm opposite I'm a fly by the seat of the pants don't <laughs> take notes you can't do that commercial pools you have to have every I dot and T cross mm -hmm. I can't do that I could never do that so she started doing all that stuff. So we started really getting a nice reputation in the commercial pool world where you knew the office was going to take care of it. And when you work for a commercial contractor, we have a saying, we want to be problem solvers for them, not problem creators. Because I know mm -hmm. when I used to build homes, I had certain subs that just yeah. always brought problems. Right. And then you had other subs that always solved problems. They'd say, man, this wall's not straight. And my trim car would say, but I got it. I'll tighten it up for you. And I'm like, okay, so I don't need to worry about it. You go home, you're like, great. Yeah, that's good. He solved the problem. So right. we try to do the same thing we're on commercial jobs. We see a problem, we try to take care of it for them. We don't try to bang them with a bunch of change orders unless it's a serious change order. Mm -hmm. But if we have to move something, do something, we want to make that they have a good experience when they're building that apartment complex or that sports thing that the pool guy did not give them trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Um, so what percentage uh, right now is commercial versus residential for the pools? You know, off the top of my head, I would probably say we do 15 to 20 commercial projects a year and probably 30, okay. 35 residential. Now, as far as revenue, yeah, I was just it's curious about probably, that. you know, like I said, Lisa would know better, but it's probably 65, 35, 60, 40 rep commercial over. Okay. You know, certain years, last year we did some monster projects, so commercial was probably 70%. Hmm. So yeah. is that is that more of where you're heading now? Oh, sure. Kind of on the long that theme of what that gentleman was was explaining with profitable Correct. and yeah. Yes, yeah. we are very, and it's not me. It's it's uh, Todd now Kirby's mm -hmm. uh, son, son <laughs> husband. <laughs> husband. <laughs> he actually handles business creation now. He does a lot of the sales. We have a designer okay. named Chris who does a wonderful job. Bethany uh, is our estimator. She's just spot on her numbers. Like, she knows numbers. Mm -hmm. So we've tightened that up. In the past, some of the guys that worked for me, great guys, still friends of mine, were more loose like I was. Mm -hmm. Well, they were just taking all my traits. Mm -hmm. I kind of had to get out of that. I'm a terrible salesman. You know, you'd say, well, you talk, you can talk, but sales also has to get value. Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of guy that always pays a little too much and gets paid a little too little. Okay. A little weak, if you will. Like okay. you said, I was weak. Yeah. I, 
I'm a people pleaser a little bit, which okay. is why the dirt's on the hand and stuff. Mm -hmm. He might work a little late. So was that so was that like a became a pinch point to where you realized you had to fill some gaps and yes. then started getting people? Yeah. And people would come and go. Okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank God, literally, uh, when I was too weak to fire somebody, a lot of times they would just quit. Really? It was just kind of supernatural in a weird <laughs> way where, wow, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you took care of that one for yeah. me. And the, like you said, I didn't have a lot of bad people working for me. I've mm -hmm. had some of these people that worked for me were awesome, and they're in their own businesses now doing very well. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't a good fit for us. Right. That's and what people don't understand. When, two, when a couple breaks up, it's not always two bad people. Mm -hmm. you know, don't, somebody doesn't have to be at fault. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand that. You know, so now I would say this is one of the benefits we have at GW Construction is we don't have a single apathetic person there. We have fallible people. Mm -hmm. Gosh, we make mistakes every day. But the guys I have and the girls I have now, when they make a mistake, this is the key I found. They're madder at themselves than they would be if I pointed out the mistake. Mm -hmm. You follow me? And yep. usually 90% of the time, we don't have to point a mistake out because they they're going to judge yeah. themselves harder than I'm going to judge them. Yeah. You know, and probably in my 40s, though, a lot of it's ego, too. You like to yell. Sometimes I was a it's embarrassing to say, but sometimes you holler just to show you were the boss because really? you were so insecure yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you start realizing, man, you're yelling at people. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be treated like that. So I was, some of the people that left me needed to leave me. It was my fault, not their fault. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's really cool that you've um, that you know you, you've grown through that and realized it because you know I guess probably just as easily there's some some people out there that do that until they're done working and they never they never really reach yeah. the potential in that yeah, aspect of managing yeah. people guys that are 60 years old and still showing the same flaws yeah then you see other men that are 30 that figured out quicker the mm -hmm. superstars that you know they don't look at people as pawns to get them or a customer as a way to get a check mm -hmm. you know it's hard to humanize things like these guys don't show up at GW Oliver Construction to build my dreams mm -hmm. now it might help do it but ultimately, it's got to be some value. It's got any business transaction has to be valuable either way, because we're probably known as the more expensive pool builder. I've never, you know, lately, you know, when we do residential projects, a lot of them are, are negotiated work where people just call us most of the time, because uh, it is expensive to do it with the processes we have in place. It's not cheap to build our way. Mm -hmm. Not to say there's not other pool builders that be the same price as us, but you know, there are people that don't have employees and run it out of their home that can beat our prices. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's a different system. You know, we have a whole warranty system. We have a, you know, I don't take warranty calls. Paige handles that, you know. So, you know, people that, and, and we have to remind ourselves of that. And me and Todd talk about it all the time. Hey, we're not the low-cost provider. Mm -hmm. These high expectations these customers have are valid. We have to meet them. Mm -hmm. You know, these people are trusting us to go in a backyard. You think about the logic. When somebody's getting a pool built, they are trusting some stranger to crawl around their house with an excavator with underground lines everywhere and mm -hmm. all the, in the house right there. Mm -hmm. And they're trusting whoever it is, whether it's the most new guy in the pool business who has no experience or whether it's one of my buddies that has 40 years experience, mm -hmm. to get in there, dig a hole, <laughs> Shoot it strong enough to last a lifetime. And put a bunch of water. Not in have there. leaky pipes, and then put a water tub in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, ninety-five percent of all clients probably have no pool experience at all. Hmm. 
So who knows when a doctor's operating on your knee if he's doing it right? right. We don't know. Yeah, that's true. Well, you don't know when I'm operating on your pool in the backyard. That's so true, yeah. So, you know, there's some costs sometimes of getting a person with a 1,000 pools under his belt mm-hmm. or 3,000 or 4,000, some of these guys that even have more experience than I do. Is so, it uh, is it common, or maybe not common, but becoming more common to have those systems that you mentioned, like the specific pictures for everything you're doing or other companies doing a lot of that I don't know okay. i would assume so okay you know it's kind of like i tell my guys when when you're going to sell a pool there's no need to bring up another pool company unless you're going to compliment them because mm. i'm really not in their backyards anyway mm-hmm. so i don't really know what they do i just know what we do yeah so i can't really dog another man unless i've, I've seen work after the fact and seen some pools and been like Man, there were some corners cut here. Mm-hmm. But most of the pool builders out now, I don't really see there. I'm not a pool cleaner anymore. Right. So I don't get to see other projects very often. Yeah. So I really don't know what they do. So yeah, I'm just, I was, I'm thinking because you were saying it's that. It's expensive to do it. Right. So they a, probably, if they're not, they got to get the prices up if they're going to do this. Because right. it's not cheap to do it the way we do it. Yeah, that's because like thinking about the way you explained it, you don't really know if the doctor is doing your knee right. And I definitely would not know if, you know, if there's a hole in my backyard with water, it holds water. I think you did a good job, but I don't Correct. really know. But you got things you know, documentation and things that you've implemented that would give the customers real right. time peace of mind on that things well, are we happening. Can, and we could go on my phone right now and pick up any job we're doing in the country, not in the country. We're in the Southeast, but, and I could show you if you said, okay, how was that pool plumbed? I have a picture of every inch of plumbing. Wow. Yeah. So we could go crazy. over every single job I have right here. Can you pull up one right now? Oh, sure. Can you pull up like a, a a uh, big commercial job that you're doing. Let's see here. So if I you don't go, know what you have. yeah, but you can just go right. Yeah, I'll go. Let's see here. Commercial. Let's see. I went to residential. Let's see. Commercial. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, we got one in Slidell right here. So if you look at these pictures here, this is when we poured the deck. And if I screen back. You got a picture of it. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. Then you go back to, oh, let me go back to that. So then you go down. That's like a ton of pictures of what looks the same to me, but things are happening. <laughs> right. So let's say here. So if you get into plumbing pictures, so you're talking pictures. You oh, man, sc- yeah. You got to scroll through them and they all key. Let's see if I got a website here. See here, they're not drawing up quick, but is this something that you um, that you worked on developing or used you know, a service? That, yeah, uh, we started doing it when we didn't have the technology to back us up. Okay, and uh, but then as we kept going, so you can see here we're doing a loop. I want to guarantee if the loop is right. A loop is just a plumbing you do to make a water feature go the same level. Okay, so if you have three spouts coming out. If you, oh, don't like run, you don't actually run lines to each spout. We'll do a loop so when the water hits that loop, the water is balanced perfectly. Okay. So where each spout shoots the exact same direction. Okay. Cool. So he sent me a picture of how he built that loop. We send pictures of de- weekly pictures of our pressure gauges, making sure our pipes are holding pressure, meaning wow. they're not leaking. Yeah. That's how you guarantee. I mean, you see the pipe in that ditch right there, mm-hmm. all the way down there. Man, that must be a huge uh, job. 
Yeah, this one's in Lake Charles, but uh, but every corner of every pool, so we can check out fittings. So let's just say we have a fitting fail. Okay. And we know what line it is. We go pressure test each line. They have a leak somewhere. God forbid, heaven forbid, but it does happen occasionally. And we know this line here is leaking, mm -hmm. and a leak detector can hear it's leaking right there. Well, I can go down there and see there's a 90 right there. So we could chop out that one little area. I know right where that 90 is, we know the pipes are not stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. You want them laid on flat grounds so that are not under pressure. You know, where they're running up on dirt clods and stuff, that's how pipes leak. Okay. So you just want to guarantee, and then when you're against the pool, I want my any pipe coming away from pool, you notice how that 90 goes straight down? Mm -hmm. I don't want it going out, then down. Okay, I want the pipe that? going, well, because the further this pipe goes out, the more I have loose dirt under it, the more likely it'll break. Oh, right. I okay. want it getting down to the far, as quickly as I can. I don't want that pipe under any pressure. Okay. You're just guarding against things. I, we've had the leaks. Right. We know what causes them. You know. Is all of that is all of that designed by the designer, or there's some trade? No, pools are common... very, very weak. Okay. Pools, if, if you had four pools built, the same pool built by four different people, it'd mm -hmm. be plumbed slightly different probably. Okay. There's not as much as a house slab where you have a footing plan. There mm -hmm. is a plumbing plan, but there is a lot of leeway in the pool construction business. Really? Okay. Very little inspections on pools. They don't inspect the gunite shell. They don't inspect the steel cage before the gunite shell. Hmm. They do a little pressure test on the inspection, which they look at the gauge one second to see if it's holding pressure. <laughs> It's a very loose business, mm -hmm. uh, so which I guess makes a lot of extra room for somebody like you, who's got all the details sorted. Correct to uh, to step ahead of uh, other people. You want to make people feel sure, yeah, that you're getting what you paid for, and we're doing it your way. But also, it's nice for uh, whether it's a commercial contractor or a uh, home builder if they go to sell their home. Right. These pictures stay yeah. with them for life. That's true, yeah. They have access to them forever. That's cool. So if somebody's buying a house or if y'all are selling a home in the real estate business, and you said, or a building, and they said, oh, pools make me nervous. Say, well, I tell you this, I got the documentation on how it was built. Mm. Might make them feel a little more sure. Yeah, for sure. So, That's really cool. Um, yeah. So you mentioned a minute ago that you did have done some pools for the Saints. We did. We did. Uh, we were very blessed. A company called Woodward out of New Orleans was doing a big renovation on their airline highway in Metairie okay. facility. And they had two fiberglass hot tubs that they wanted to tear out. And we built them uh, gunite tiled hot tubs. One's a hot plunge pool, which goes to 104. The other one is a cold plunge for therapy, which That's we cool. actually put a chiller on, which goes down to 46 degrees. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, that was fun, you know, because... Uh, we got to be friends with a lot of the trainers. They got some great people there. Some of the players were, were there. Really got to deal with more of the trainers and some of the woodwork guys that built the facility. Just a first-class company. That's cool. But, yeah, that was fun. Then, thank goodness, the Pelicans called, and we got to uh, do two for them. Really? And uh, Was that also a hot tub and Yeah, another hot plunge. Same, yeah. same deal. Okay. So Very cool. That was nice. And, uh We've gotten in some bigger water features. We just did a big fountain in Slidell that just went on Instagram today. Okay. I saw my crew so check it out. put that in. I mean, you're talking about a, a fountain. Say a normal pool would move 100 gallons a minute, give or take. Okay. Between 80 and 150. This thing moves 4,500 gallons. Oh, there it is. Oh, nice. Wow, yeah. That's <laughs> and legit. that thing there was 14,000 square foot fountain, I believe. Wow. The, the, the whole area of the pool The whole area, area the whole fountain area, yeah. 
And it's but, got like a big thing in the center uh, oh yeah. fountain. The and water on that, if a pool other. moves 100 gallons a minute, that thing moves 4,500 gallons a minute. <sighs> wow. And it's run through two underground vaults. Okay. So all of the equipment that runs that fountain were vaults we had to put in with a crane. Wow. With one vault has about $160,000 worth of equipment in it, VFDs, vertical frequency drives, big pumps that look like more like an Exxon chemical plant. <laughs> and so these vaults are underground. This is so you crazy. have to crawl. You know, everything's literally, it's a sunken room. We had to wow. make sure it stayed in there and it's in Slidell. So mm. there's groundwater everywhere. Mm. So we have lift pumps all around it, making sure groundwater doesn't intrude. I mean, it's a crazy. That is so, scary. So you got so this y'all did all of that, all, yes. all the design and planning and well, all, the design all was brought to us. Then we planned it out. My crews did all the plumbing, and one of my wow. guys out of Slidell helped me dig it and plumb it. Hmm. Dig it, we plumbed it. And really, my guys, uh, talking about that had some twelve-inch piping, and a normal pool has two and a, two piping. inch, occasionally like three-inch pipe. Twelve-inch diameter, right? Twelve-inch, twelve-inch. Yeah, That's you're talking huge. about some of the pipes had to have an excavator. To push the fitting into the other fitting. I mean, oh, wow. it, was, it was sick. My guys, they blow me away. That's cool. The guys that work with me. Can you uh, tell me how much that fountain costs? It was, well, our part, who yeah, is it it seven digits. Was it? Wow. Yeah, low seven digits, but yeah. It's a serious deal. It was nice, but it's That's a cool. big neighborhood and great, great company to work for. And that same development has a 12,000 square foot pool we just finished in the back of the neighborhood with two 25-foot-tall water slides and beach entries wow. and a splash pad that's 4,000 square feet with buckets for the kids to play in. Dang. And so y'all did all that stuff did all as, that. as well. Wow. That's really cool. So that was fun. So what was uh, so if you were back when you first did the first repair job on yeah. the pool and got familiar, were you even like considering some of that stuff that you're doing today? No, I mean, I didn't know that no stuff and that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, and I tell my kids, you know, that there, there's so many different levels in the world. You know, I never forget my kid came home one day when she was in high school. She's now graduating college, but some of the kids had said, "Your daddy's rich," which was a joke because at the time I had nothing. Hmm. I had the appearance of a little bit here and there. I said, "Well, you tell those kids your daddy's what's called Southwest Airlines rich." <laughs> <laughs> Not Gulfstream Six Rich, so, right? Because there's all different levels. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, a guy worth a hundred million, which nobody I can't even confer that much money, looks at Bill Gates, who's worth a hundred billion. Yeah, they have nothing in common. Mm -hmm. It's just so, you know, wealth is so many different things. But once you realize, my dad used to tell me when I was younger, man, when you can pay your bills, and you're debt free, and you have cash in the bank more than you can spend without being silly, that's peace. Mm. You know, like at 51, it's so nice because we finally, after years of putting on the Ritz and doing all this stuff, have finally paid off stuff. And kids are out of school, mm -hmm. private schools. So now, you know, you get paid each month and you have no bills. Mm -hmm. So I now understand what he's talking about. It's not about, it's just about freedom. So you don't still have those waking up at night sweating fear going on? You know, not no, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. No, because I don't worry about paying the bills I have. Mm -hmm. I don't have a 100-foot yacht that I have a crew on that i got to pay for every <laughs> month. You know what I'm saying? My mm -hmm. little house is, not little house, my house is paid for. Most of my stuff is paid for finally just from just grinding for years and getting it right. So no longer about making the payroll each week. That's paid for whenever. whenever when, that's good. Mm-hmm occasionally these some of these complicated projects i'll wake up in the middle of the night still and think of an maybe 
a variable I forgot mm-hmm. or like, oh my gosh, what if this happened on that second floor pool? I need to add this safety barrier in there. So my brain's kind of working, I think, still on mm-hmm. different things or uh, that loop on that, that fountain you just showed you. There's 28 jets, seven on four sides. Wow. They're built on a 12-inch loop that goes down to a 10-inch loop to shoot the same distance. Hmm. And I remember one night waking up in the middle of the night thinking, where are my T's going in that? And I went and got out, out of bed, pulled the plan out, and started studying it again. I said, okay, okay. And then I said, did we do it that way? And so then I went and pulled my pictures up. <laughs> in the middle of the night, 2 in the morning, I'm picking pictures because I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, oh, he did it exactly like that. Okay, thank God. Cool. I, th- I don't know why I woke up thinking we did it wrong. Yeah. So thank God we had pictures. Yeah. Thank God I had the plans handy or I would have slept because like most men and women, I mean, if you're a driven person, whether you're a great teacher, a great coach, a great whatever, real estate agent, whatever, you know, it's not always income driven great people. Some people's visions of being great mm-hmm. don't pay a lot. Mm-hmm. It pays dividends in other ways. So. But so what's um, I'm curious to know, maybe if you could answer this question uh, as uh, whenever you were like, say, 25 mm-hmm. and then how you would answer it now. How would you see being great or like being successful? Wow. You know, it's funny because I remember one time a guy told me, he said, man, my buddy just really doesn't like you. <laughs> and I'll never forget. <laughs> told that. you this. this oh, yeah. He said, man, like he just really hates you. <laughs> and, you know, being a people pleaser. You know, an That's entrepreneur, tough, yeah. you think I'm a tough guy, quote, not a tough guy, but you know, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't taught as being sensitive, but yeah. I'm the kind of guy that would cry during, I had three daughters and a wife, and I'd be the first one to cry during a movie, you know, <laughs> so my kids are like, you're weird, dad, you're like so mean at work sometimes, but you're so soft at times, like this weird transition, like mm-hmm. you can be such a jerk, but so soft at the same time, but uh, thinking back on that, I told him, my answer to him was, Well, you need to tell him I didn't like myself 10, 12 years ago either. Mm. So the guy he didn't like, Mm -hmm. I didn't really like either Mm -hmm. because you kind of grow. Because at 25, you know, embarrassed enough as I am to say this, it was about stuff. It was about having this S-Class Mercedes in a little bigger home than the next guy. You wanted your friends to do good, but you kind of wanted to be the man, quote. Mm -hmm. And especially at 25 being a car wash boy and then at 30 still being a car wash boy and still having some nice stuff because I had a nurse for a wife and I was making some good capital, being able to pay a little note on a little three series BMW to put on a little bit of a show. Mm -hmm. So I think the guy at 25, if I had to be totally honest, would think somebody that was a bit wealthier was better than somebody that wasn't. Mm. And that's, You know, pretty, you hate to say that out loud, but that's probably if you're being truthful of who you were. Mm -hmm. And then you realize now that, uh, you know, look, we all would like to make more money. There's nothing wrong with it. Good God, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a conservative. I mean, I'm all about capitalism. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to realize, you know, it ain't just about you. You know, because one of our biggest ministries my wife and I do now is these inner city kids and stuff that really just, you don't realize how many of them never had any parents that help them. So Mm -hmm. you start realizing that once you start, you know, when you get 
up in age. And some guys, like I said, I know guys in their 30s that get it already, and that's such a blessing. I mean, they're not super wealthy guys. They just get it. Mm -hmm. They're already secure. They're not insecure like I was, chasing something and trying to put on the Ritz. But, you know, when you start putting your eyes on other people, I, was, I actually went to breakfast with a kid who works for me now, but we found him through a, the, one of the charities we do. He was one of the youth we were helping and ended up hiring him. And I was telling him that this morning. He was, we went to breakfast because it was raining. I said, look, let's go to breakfast. And we were talking about it, and, and he was just telling me how much he loved the job and finally has a purpose in life. Because, you know, I had a oh, tough cool. family. Never had a dad. Dad was in jail his whole yeah. life. And so he started saying that... Uh, how he loves the days we work because the guys who work that work with me are so cool but i told him son i said you ever notice julian when you take your eyes off yourself you your problems tend to go away because you don't have a whole lot yet i mean the kid's only been working for me a year but he's finally got an income mm -hmm. and finally about to get his own apartment but you know, I said, look, you're not the only guy that wakes up in the morning complaining. This guy does still. To this day at 51, I still have to check myself and realize my fingers work, my legs work, my eyes work. I can hear. You know, I'm so blessed. Mm -hmm. You know, you compare yourself to the guy that has more than you. You know, the guy with three jets and all that stuff. And, mm -hmm. You know, we're still, we're still fallible. We still think of that stuff. But I said, look how blessed you are, dude. You work with us some of the greatest people on earth that work with us every day. And we started naming names of some of the guys that work for me. He goes, love those guys. I said, you know, two years ago when I found you, when, when you came to that little ministry deal we were doing, you were about to check out. Mm -hmm. So look what God's done for you in only two years, and he's just getting started. That's cool. You're still making 10 bucks an hour plus time and a half for overtime. He goes, I know. It's only going to get better, huh? I said, you know how to plumb a pool? Yeah. He said, no, sir, but I'm getting better. <laughs> He's a helper. He's digging the ditches. He's giving mm -hmm. them fittings. He said, but I think I know how to run the skimmers now. And I said, that's what I'm telling you, dude. In two years, you're 19. 21, you'll be plumbing pools. That's you'll cool. be making 15, 20 bucks an hour, dude. You'll, mm -hmm. be, you'll be making more money at 22 than I made out of LSU. And I know <laughs> we have a little bit of inflation since then. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so... The question, 25 versus 51, yeah. it's just, you're still fallible, you're still flawed, you still think stupid stuff, and you still catch your arrogance flaring, mm -hmm. but you just realize that you're always, there's always going to be somebody richer, there's mm -hmm. always going to be somebody more handsome, there's always going to be a better pool builder, <laughs> there's always going to be something you could always, you know, you start realizing, you know, I used to tell somebody, you know, my whole life I was trying to write this beautiful book called the g-dub book <laughs> and one day or the g-dub movie i'm putting this show on a producer like you know y'all do here <laughs> and then one day you just wake up in my mid-40s like i said some guys get it way sooner and i realize nobody's watching mm -hmm. i'm putting this big show on and i don't even have an audience mm -hmm. nobody cares <laughs> and the people that do care don't care whether you have a show or not they yeah. love you unconditionally so do it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Do it for the to get to go bow hunting. What a blessing. I love the fact that I get to go to Kansas November 1st, and I go straight from Kansas to Illinois for two weeks. I don't work. Nice. <clears throat> takes a little bit of money to do that, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it takes a crew of folks working for me finally now that I am a more of a CEO, mm -hmm. and I can delegate to great people, realize, you know, that there's pools being built all over the world I'm not helping with. I'm not the almighty pool guy. Mm-hmm. Other guys are doing a great job, too. Let my guys do what they do. 
So I, I do want to ask more about the people that work for you. Um, mm-hmm. just because obviously the amazing work that your company does, you don't do You can't do it all yourself. Like you started out doing, but, um, so how do you, how did you, I know you mentioned there were some people that came and went and things like yeah. that. Uh, how did you kind of find the right or feel like you found what made you think, I guess, yes, I, I, well, I got the right people. The guys that run our plumbing crew right now, uh, three of them have been me nine or 10 years. Mm. And so, you know, there's several brothers, three brothers that have worked for me for a long time. And these guys, the oldest brother, just he's, he's, you know, I like to say he's the Drew Brees of pools. It's just, there's nothing he can't do. And quite frankly, the two brothers, the two younger brothers are same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, and what I love about them is they're so anal <laughs> and they're so hard to work for. Mm, really? They have run off so many helpers. Really? And they've grown up a little bit and softened up just like I did. They used to emulate me, yelling and hollering. They're, they're, they calm down a little bit where they don't run people off as quickly. Mm-hmm. But they know they know what's a good job, and they want the Oh, no, they do don't it. play. Right. It's, you know, Gabriel and Sergio and Humberto are the three guys that name. And mm-hmm. Sergio's the youngest brother. I, I fell so in love with him. I actually took him to the... Went to the doctor with him today, like his dad. Really? <laughs> you know, he had to go. So I said, I want to drive you. I want to see what's going on with your eye. Mm-hmm. And then he got married. He's from Mexico. So he flew back to Mexico to get married. He wanted to get married in his hometown. So I actually went with him. That's cool. You know, I was the first American ever in his village. And wow. I realized then how they were so talented. They have no running water in their village. Really? These guys build contraptions to catch water, bring it down to a tank, pump it back to the roof to create head pressure, build heaters to heat it. Wow. They were doing that at six, seven years old, and you wonder why they're so good here. Wow. That's amazing. And it's amazing. so beautiful there, not to get crazy here, but they're traditionally Catholic people there. Mm-hmm. But unlike Americans, they don't have a lot. In their village, in the villages surrounding villages, Sergio's first evening with his wife was the night of his wedding. Mm. Like, the fathers are tight there. Like, no. Wow. We don't, they don't date around casually like we do here. Mm-hmm. You know, they respect the respect they had for the girls there. You know, at the wedding, I was just watching the dynamics. Yeah. The women there were like <laughs> cherished kind of, you know, you know, and anyway, I don't want to get political <laughs> on that, but it was just a, it's very old school. Okay. But the joy, it's like everybody loved everybody. I'm like. We have so much here, but nobody's happy. You, yeah. go, you go to parties where you know there's people making millions of dollars a year and they're griping and moaning and complaining. Yeah. These people aren't making anything. They don't even run in water. <laughs> wow. And they, they were having the best time, and everybody was getting, there was a guy there got drunk and was starting trouble, and I saw the big Hispanic guys getting up, and I'm like, ooh, they're about to take him out. <laughs> they hugged him. They took him out of the room very cautiously. They didn't oh, wow. beat him down. One of them took him home to put him to bed. I thought it was going to be a brawl. And I'm like, in, ba- in Louisiana, that would have been, yeah, you'd have been, been dead. <laughs> that would have been a brawl. It was just, it was just beautiful. Cool. So the guys we have, like Todd, you know, Todd's started, I mean, 10, 12 years ago cleaning pools. And now he basically runs the company. You know, he does That's cool. sales. I mean, he just does so much. And then, you know, Lisa runs the office. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And just Paige started with us three years ago at an hourly rate. 
and there were some people above her. And over time, some people just made kids and had to leave and did some stuff, great people. But now Paige has worked her way from being an hourly wage person to salary as our office manager. And That's just cool. watching her for three years just grow and grow and grow and grow. It's just like, wow. What would you, what would you say you um, feel most rewarded doing? What part of the business? Oh, well, the most stressful part is what I love the most. When there's a pool like a pool that's very complicated. Like we did a mm -hmm. pool in New Orleans where the floor actually goes up and down. We, the floor of the pool? Yeah, it's, I have pictures of it, but it's got a metal cage in it, a stainless steel floor with motors under it that spiral up and down. So the floor can move up and down through the water. So Whoa. it goes from being a dance floor dry, the water stays there. But there's little cracks around it where the water can ease through. That is legit. And the, it just lowers down and becomes a pool. Yeah, it goes from five foot deep. The shell we built was extra deep to allow three extra feet for the motors and the stainless steel components. Wow. You hit a button, they start turning. Did it with a Canadian company, but I had to come up with the engineering with my engineer, local engineer here. And mm -hmm. we just, oh, just talk about staying up at night, scared to death. That sounds extremely complicated. Especially when it worked. Really? You know, so that's my most satisfying when we do tricked out. We're doing mm -hmm. a bathtub in Homa for a guy right now, a big custom bathtub in his home where the, the bathtub had to be engineered to support the home. Hmm. So the builder actually left a notch out in the slab, which I helped design, and we shot the pool in there strong enough to where the house then was built on top of the pool and the slab. Wow. That and must so, be a serious pool. <laughs> it's just a tub, but yeah, it's very serious. So. Wow. That kind of stuff gives me a lot of satisfaction. Uh -huh. um, but you know what's fun, too, is the guys that have been with me nine or ten years, some of these guys have started incomes because of hard work. Excuse me. Have really gotten to be nice to where I got one kid 30 years old, one of my, my lead lead guy. And, well, here's a kid not barely 30 making more money than I made at 40. Hmm. And he works for us. Mm -hmm. And probably get another race soon. I mean, he's just so good. That's cool. But when you put him somewhere, you know. And, it makes it happen. And what's nice is we, 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 we game plan together. Mm. You know, I can't do what he does. But he also knows there's stuff in my brain that can tell him how to do it sometimes. Like he'll have to tell me, no, no, how do I do, make that work? And I'll design it and show him and he'll say, oh, okay, I got it. Hmm. I can't implement it, but I can design it in my head. So hmm. uh, just to watch the guys grow has been just crazy that you know uh, we have a lot of fun though man I mean it's it's hard but it's a good group of guys it's finally worth it as I would say I wouldn't do it again I don't think really oh probably not probably if I had to do yeah, it all over hours, again seven days a week no a I'd probably do some of my buddies have gotten on with big industrial companies and grew with the company mm -hmm. and got crazy careers going that out earned me big time and they never had to buy the trucks, never had to buy the buildings. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so much capital that has been invested over and over again to get to where we are today. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I'd have the wherewithal. And there was a lot of price paid. I mean, kids, you know, my kids, I'd pick them up from school, you know, uh, especially after I had my f divorce, you know, you know, just being an idiot. Uh, I'd pick them up and... There was we rarely got home before eight. Wow! I'd pick them up. They get in the back seat. They get ICs, and we start checking jobs. Really? 
I used to wash cars when Katie, who's 23 today, was probably one and two. Hmm. If Susie had to go to work as a nurse, then I would bring Katie with me. I'd go wash cars. She'd be in a stroller while I washed cars. Man. I'd, I'd get her out of the stroller. We'd go collect the money. Today, they'd probably call it, you know, child endangerment. I right. don't know. Child on the work on the workplace. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just crazy stuff. But Or mm. I'd leave my truck running with her parked right next to me with the AC on her while I finished washing cars. Mm. They would help me sweep jobs. I mean, the, my kids have seen work, and they they all had to work, too, from 16 on. You know, mm -hmm. we made sure we didn't give them too much to keep them from being hungry, and all our kids are ambitious. Mm -hmm. They all have great, you know, even my one still at LSU works two jobs still at LSU. I didn't right. want to steal the joy of creation. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of parents, I mean, it's just my opinion. You know, my kids got just enough money to where they wouldn't die in, while they are in college. Mm -hmm. But if they wanted nice stuff, they had to work. Hmm. So they all had jobs, and they all babysat or did this or worked. Like right now, my child babysits and works at a clothing store. Cool. Two jobs while at LSU. Wow. And we have the money now. Yeah. Like we, She's we, hustling. But I don't want to steal the thunder of her creating some right. stuff. Right. What's it? Where do you think the the ambition for you came from? And then is that uh, is that do you kind of see that as an important thing to try to, as you describe it, let them create on their own? Your children? Yeah. You know, when I got my ambition, that's funny you say that. Uh, from several places. Number one, my dad was always an entrepreneur, and uh, you know, never hit the lick. Mm. Always did okay, but we never had any real money. But I learned so much. We, me and him laugh about it today that I'm kind of a continuation of what he started. Mm -hmm. Like, he cut the briars down so I could start closer to the top. Mm -hmm. You know, he, like he used to tell me, man, I never really hit a big lick, but I can teach you what not to do. <laughs> so he's an incredible entrepreneur, but not all entrepreneurs make a lot of money. He mm -hmm. never made a lot of money, but now we're making a lot of money because of what he started. Mm -hmm. Not the pool business. <clears throat> We've never been partners. Everything mm -hmm. I've started from scratch. But uh, so that didn't hurt. My mom was crazy hard worker, just ridiculous. But I also had some friends' parents that I remember, and a girlfriend in college had a mother in Houston who owned a monster company. And when we would go home to Houston to see her mom, me and her mom would go to breakfast. Oh, crazy story. We'd that's get you, up. That's you I'd wake up early. To those people. Yeah. Yep. And so we'd go to breakfast, talk business. And I mean, I guess because most entrepreneurs love to talk mm -hmm. and want to give back, but most of them ain't listening. Mm -hmm. You know, so I woke up early. I never slept late. I've always been an early riser. And so I'd just be up at her house. She said, hey, let's go get some beignets or some, uh, <laughs> I think I learned about kolaches then. Oh, nice. And we go eat kolaches and she started telling me, you get what you negotiate, not what you ask for. And she'd these little nuggets that I never yeah. even understood at the time, but now looking back and then, uh, that's cool. One of my best friends, dad's owns a company in town, a great company, truck business. And we would work for him and he'd keep the yard so clean. And I'd actually say, who cares? It's just a junkyard. Like, who, hmm. but he was fired up, man. He would jump us and I'd work for him. And I started learning about excellence mm -hmm. and how everything he did, to this day, I bet he's late seventies. I bet he gets on that yard and gets up in those <laughs> trucks. He's like, like um, it's weird you notice the dirt, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of contractors, and I envy them that 
they just look so pretty all day. <laughs> and I work for them. I work behind a lot of home contractors, mm -hmm. and they dress so nice, and I don't know how they do it. Because mm -hmm. I had to go change. I stunk so bad, and I forgot to wash my hands, I guess, <laughs> <coughs> just to come here. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you go to my truck right now and open the tailgate, you'll see a pair of muddy boots that I just took off to come in here. Nice. So, but it's just how I've done it. Yeah. I like to be in the mud with the guys, mm -hmm. you know, and now my buddy who told me about being a CEO told me I need to get out the mud a little more often, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I think it's a nice compromise. I don't mm -hmm. want to get away from the building process either. Right. And you can, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier, you have a wife who's very good at some of those things uh, that you're not, and she can, she can look Correct. pretty all day and, Correct. you know, stay, and not be in the mud. She as don't want much. to be in the mud. Right. But she can handle those office. things that are, there you go. Right. So. And she'll call me out. She'll say, Hey, I need three hours in the office today. Mm. There's stuff in your box. Please come by, mm -hmm. go up in your office and do it. <laughs> you got a hole upstairs. It's all you. I need these three things done, mm -hmm. you know, and so I have to sometimes back up and right. do paperwork right. occasionally. Well, that's, that's good that you got the people to, to fill in for you and take care of the that's tasks. Correct. What's, um, can you give me maybe, you mentioned just a minute ago, something that's very cool about how your uh, previous girlfriend's mother kind of gave you some insights and some nuggets. Do you have any uh, that you could share with me? Something that, that either, maybe either she said that you still remember or something well, that you have on your own? I remember uh, my buddy's dad used to always say, you know, and it's so cliche, but the secret to success is capital W, capital O, capital R, capital K, mm. work. Now, I know we're in an economy now where some tech guys <laughs> can hit a lick at 20 mm -hmm. and make a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know how to teach that. I've never made a billion. I don't know how to make a billion. I wouldn't know how to spend a billion. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to build a business that fast. These guys have a skill set I don't have. And they're not real entrepreneurial. You know, they don't really like capitalism. It's weird. Because mm -hmm. they make a billion dollars in a lot of the tech world, as we can see, stands on the opposite end of my belief level. Yeah. So they're, they made all their money from capitalism, but they don't like capitalism. It's yeah. very strange, and I don't even know how to go there. <laughs> and part of it says they made it too easy. Mm -hmm. You know, so when people ask me, what do I need to do? I said, I don't know how to teach except what I've done. Mm -hmm. So if you got a guy worth $200 million that did it easier, listen to him. <laughs> I can't teach you how to do that because I never made $200 million. That's not my net worth. Mm -hmm. It's much lower than that, much lower. But I do know how to teach by grinding and how to work 15, 16 hours a day and be open to pivoting during the thing. you got to be open. You know, I do a lot of affirmations, weird stuff people would say. Like, I'll sometimes, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Been doing it for 30 years now. I'll speak to myself a little bit. Just talk about goals. I uh -huh. don't really have set, but... I don't even know how to get there. Like I got some things I'm talking about right now, you know, about certain levels of net worth and stuff that I'll say out loud and just kind of repeat, you know, what I, what I want for my company. And uh, what I find is you gotta be, when you're killing it and you're in the mud, like yesterday I waterproofed a beam of a pool. Mm -hmm. Well, that means I stood in a pool with water and it with rubber boots and literally myself, didn't have anybody available. I had to go get it done. My guys were on other jobs and went and waterproof for two hours. Hmm. 
part of this might still be remnants of that. <laughs> well, that's not where I make my most money. Right. But it needed to be done, so I went and did it real quick, and I had the time to do it. But after that, I got a call for a project that might be going on in Texas that could be a monster project mm. that Tuesday I'm going to go look at. So I'll probably get up at 4 in the morning, ride over there with him, look at a project there that they might want to do here. But the potential's, I mean, just stupid money for a man on my level. Mm. So I'm willing to pivot as I go and realize today I'm changing pool liners. It's not where I want to be, but I got to have the capital. And when that guy said, will you remodel my pool and I need to tear the plumbing out, now I pivot it right. and realize, oh, doing this, I made four times more than doing that. Right. So now I'm going here. And then I started doing residential pools, and all of a sudden this company 10, 12 years ago tells me to do an apartment pool. I underbid it. But when I learned my bid was so much lower, I realized, okay, so if I wouldn't have been in the bid pool, it would have sold for this. Now, if I'd have made that, mm -hmm. that's four times more than if I'd have done four home pools, and it wasn't four times harder. So I pivoted again. Mm -hmm. Where some guys might not want to pivot. They want to stay in the residential world where they're more comfortable. I like the commercial world. I like mm -hmm. traveling. I like doing that stuff. So I was able to focus ultimately on the one advice I'd give new entrepreneurs is this. you got to be real with where do you make your money. Mm -hmm. We know money's not everything. But if you're waking up at 4 in the morning like I've done for 30 years and you're going out trying to chase that proverbial elusive rabbit called money and cash <clears throat> that is so hard to catch, and you know there's five rabbits over here and one over here, and you keep going over there, <laughs> and you got people counting on you for bonuses, you mm -hmm. need to check yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I kept doing for years. And my wife told me years and years ago, if you don't learn the word no, I'm going to kill you. Because <laughs> people would call me. She goes, everybody is not your friend. Have mm -hmm. you noticed? I'd have people call Hey, G-Dub, man, my pool's leaking over here. I didn't build the pool. Mm -hmm. I got no dog in that fight. There's no meat on that bone. And this guy's never going to dinner with me. Mm -hmm. And I'd go help. And I'm hurting my kids. I'm hurting my wife. I'm, quote, hiding behind the word nice. But in right. truth is, that's not my job. Right. If it's a charity deal, I'll do it. It's not charity. Right. The guy can afford to pay a real guy that does that job to do it. Why am I doing it for free? Right. For a guy who's never met, never talked to me again since. Mm -hmm. So I started learning that I've got to chase rabbits that have some meat on them. Mm -hmm. And I think the past five or six years, that's what's changed my situation to where now I can finally say I wouldn't do it again, but at least I had the capital to do the Togo deal. Mm-hmm. I have the capital to go to Kansas if I want three times, five times if I want to. Can't mm. get to G6, <laughs> but if I want to go to Kansas all year, I can go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. you're past that level where, you know, we don't stress, right. you know, about what we're doing anymore. Because we're in our wheelhouse, too, though. Right. We're, not, we're not going to buy a G6 and put ourselves in stress. That would stress right. and break us. That's a serious thing. <laughs> yeah. You, you see my point, though? Yeah. But you've got to tell people, if you're going to own a business... Let's just say you're a plumber and you're working some industrial work and you're making five times X. But if you go fix a lady's toilet, you're making 0.5 times X. Mm -hmm. And you have plenty of work in the industrial, but you can't say no to the... Do that as long as you have to, 
But as soon as your plate is too full here, you gotta move on. Mm -hmm. You gotta chase where the money is. Because your kids need it, your lifestyle needs it, your mm -hmm. charities need it. Right. I was very uncharitable because I had no money. Right. Now yep. we yep. can do things, you know, we That's can cool. be beneficial, you know. Yeah. So what's uh I was gonna I kinda one question that I knew I wanted to ask you was uh and you've kind of hinted at it a couple times, but what is some thing or a couple things that you would you said you wouldn't do it all over again, but if you had to, what would you do differently to I guess to kind of you know, and you just said saying no is a big one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd but, have said no. I'd have gotten to pool construction much quicker. Mm -hmm. I would have uh, yelled a lot less, probably ran off some good people. Uh, I would probably work a little smarter than hard because a lot of those nights that are late night weren't profitable. Mm -hmm. If I'd have said no during the day more, I'd have been home a little earlier. Had a little bit of that, uh, wanted to be known as the hardest working guy in the world mm. where... You know, really hard works. W capital W O R K is so critical because mm -hmm. I see so many guys that won't do it. Mm -hmm. But you know, you got to work smart too. You know, and uh, I wouldn't chase the rabbits. I would I would get more laser focused if I could, and I'd have been a probably a bigger student of the pool business. Mm. You know, and nowadays there's so much knowledge out there that you can study. In the old days, I mean. You, we used to go to libraries and actually yeah, wow. pull encyclopedias out really? when I was a kid, you know. You didn't yeah. have Google. Right, right, of so, course. <clears throat> but uh, I would get way more laser focused. I wish, you know, and look, a lot of people say I wouldn't change a thing. And I love I love the fact that the struggle also brings you closer. Your spiritual life usually grows due to struggle. Mm -hmm. If I'd have got wealthier sooner, I was so lost at the time. I would have probably been a, I wouldn't have done the world much good, hmm. you know. You're hoping eventually, you know, I, I have a saying I tell people sometimes, I took from the world for 45 years, now I'm trying to give a little bit back, mm -hmm. you know. That's great. Just trying to do a little more. These kids, these inner city kids is my thing. It's called Empower 225. Okay. And it's, uh, I, I learned about it from my church, Healing Place, where we go to church. And, uh, oh, it's just cool. We do job training at night. I do, you know, it's a group of us. You know, we built a home on Government Street for guys that age out of foster care. We got six kids in there at all the time. The kid working with me now came from that. Oh, really? Uh, we've had some kids, some great stories, man, of kids that had no fathers that are now. We train them. We get them training. We get them job training. We'll pay for them to go to diesel driving academy, help them go to college. We have after school programs for the high school kids and junior high kids. Mm -hmm. We have ladies over there that work for us and some gentlemen that go through the inner city and actually get kids to come back. We have computers donated from Blue Cross, go That's over their cool. homeworks and stuff. Oh, and now Corona's killed it. Right. Because now we, we've had to kind of go virtual. And they need they don't need virtual. They need us there. Right, right. It's one of my arguments against this thing. We need to get back with our kids. Yeah. I, mean, I was in the middle of an eight-week job seminar training. At the end of eight weeks, we have all kind of business owners show up, get every one of the kids that makes it through the course, 20 kids each class, for eight weeks, if they make it through eight weeks, they guarantee them a job. That's cool. We were in week one when this thing shut down. Really? And those kids are now, I can't get to them. I mean, it, it, don't get me started on that, but mm -hmm. I'm like, guys, I get it, but we need to get back to these kids. Yeah. You know, they need to be around us. So that's one of our big passionate things is these kids. And so back before Corona, I was there a week, one night a week. Really? And this is, this is a, you, I think you said this is a, 
organization that you got involved in, in the last couple of years? Yeah, okay. uh, probably five or six years ago. Okay. I got kind of disgusted with we we have a lot of Hispanic workers and they're just oh they're great people, great workers, great people, and I kept trying to hire more Americans. I'm not white, black, purple, green. And they just couldn't hang. And I'm like, why are these guys, why am I struggling, you know, to, and one day it just hit me. I said, somebody needs to catch these kids sooner mm-hmm. and train them. Mm-hmm. It's not an ability thing. It's, it's a learning thing. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. It's like a computer. If you program a computer to say one plus one is three, the computer will tell you it's three. Yeah. You believe it. Yeah. Well, when you can program these children, and they don't have fathers. I know, you know, I don't want to get political. There's big problems there. I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Like all this debate going on right now and all the controversy, I've lived it for six years. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those rare guys, even though I'm a white guy, can quote talk about it. I've been with these, and they're not all black kids, but they're mostly. Mm-hmm. And I've seen these kids cry they never had a dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody wants to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about no school choice. Right. I'm telling you, these kids are sharp. But you got to get to them, and I'm only getting to a fraction of them. Right. And so we're talking about other stuff. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the real thing is, we need fathers at the homes, and we need these kids being trained, and somebody needs to get a hold of them. I can only get a hold of so many of them, mm-hmm. and I got so many guys helping me. We're chasing them, mm-hmm. and we're trying. I, I did have a, a, a guy named Jonathan Snyder on the podcast recently, mm-hmm. and he's um, running for Metro Council in mm-hmm. District 11. And so, you know, I was, I was asking him a lot about the city and things mm-hmm. happening and, you know, different things like that. Um, and he said a lot about, uh, you know, I kind of asked the question, like, uh, how do we address some of those problems some of the division type thing yeah. economically and racially a yeah. lot more recently and all that sort of thing uh and a lot of what he was saying was also mentorship like a big thing that he said a lot was mentorship programs for kids um, yeah. and especially the kids who are struggling in school or they're you know they have a broken family or no family that sort of thing so it's interesting to you know it's interesting to hear somebody who is not running for political office and but just a business guy who wants to give back and has been doing that hearing the same kind of solutions this is what it sounds like well uh, when you hear what these kids say effective. to me sometimes when they first meet me just you know call me out for what I am mm. like you don't cuz you're such and such I'm like well, why am I here then mm-hmm. what you giving me tonight I said uh it's Tuesday night Seven o'clock at night, I'm here. I hear you don't like me because I'm, quote, I'm not the right race. So what am I doing here? Like, what's the hook and the bait? What mm-hmm. you giving me tonight? Just, just so I can feel good? Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Maybe that's my hook. Is I need to feel good that I helped you little kid out. Mm-hmm. I said, but guess what? I'll be here next week too. So I don't know what to tell you. If you don't like me because of this or because of some where I was born or I'm a dude, not a girl, all the different things where everybody tries to identity politics. Mm-hmm. I can't help that. All I can tell you is this is one time in your life, young lady, that there's no hook in this bait. When I bought the van or we put the van out there, that's our money. When we pay for the programs here, when I say we all the great people in Baton Rouge that donate money to this, mm-hmm. I said, we have no hook. There is no hook. I'm not leaving you. If you want to leave me and you don't like me because of a certain reason, I don't know what to tell you, mm-hmm. but if you'll sit and listen and open your heart, I know you've been told your whole life, 
that there's good and bad and this makes this person good, this makes this person bad, I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus, not Jesus. I said, so, and you'll see them soften after, not the first week, because you don't just say one motivational statement. I learned that. <laughs> when I first got in this, I thought I'd give them one One thing and change their mind. Oh, yeah. and they're going to roll. No, yeah. no, this is years of them being told they're worthless mm-hmm. and nobody giving them a Christmas present and nobody telling them they love them and slapping them. Or, I mean, just God-awful things I've heard. Mm-hmm. A kid I took to breakfast this morning when he was 15, we rode by a Walmart. There were some buses on College Drive in the parking lot. And he said, you know how easy it is to get one of those buses? I said, what are you talking about? He said, oh, yeah, you can push the doors open at night. I said, what do you even mean? He said, that's where I used to sleep when wow. my mom would kick me out the house. Wow. I said, what? He said, buses are the key. I slept in buses for many, many, many weeks at a time. Hmm. Kids that in our communities have never heard of that. Mm-hmm. And this kid's flourishing now. I mean, you're talking about a kid going to make $35,000, $40,000 next year with a family, our family, because somebody said they cared about him. Mm-hmm. But... We get distracted on TV, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We talk about other stuff because there's no money in that. Right. That Everybody was- knows the problem, but nobody wants to talk about it. You take that kid at 14 and give him a good school and give him something, you see where he's going to go. Right. It's not a brain problem. Their brains aren't inferior. They're in untrained. Mm-hmm. This, is, this, was, this is similar to another thing that... Um, that Jonathan mentioned whenever mm-hmm. we were talking and that I've heard a lot of people uh, that I've kind of talked about some of these things with um, is just like getting outside of your own bubble and meeting people of different backgrounds and who are living in different situations and things Absolutely. like that. Just because like, it's very easy to, uh, again, like you said earlier, like people think about themselves, they, they're, when they start thinking about other people rather than themselves, that's they right. start feeling better. Or I think you're right. Away, I think you but... just nailed it. I think that's the biggest thing that changed in me. I think really it's softened me a little bit because it's really impossible for these kids in, it just, it just infuriates me at night when I'm watching TV <laughs> and I'm in the city with them mm-hmm. and I've never had to live in the bus, mm-hmm. but just hearing that story and knowing that, that people usually really use these kids as pawns because mm-hmm. both sides, right? it's ridiculous. Yep. It is ridiculous. There's enough of us men to get in these inner cities and help every one of these kids, but it's you know, as they say, uh, I'm not a scriptural scholar at all, but it might not be a scripture. I might, but my <laughs> pastor might say, don't let him talk scripture. He's going to butcher it. But the work is many, but the workers are few. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if that's a scripture or not, but yeah. I've heard it before. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. But anyway, that's the 25-year-old version of me would not have cared about that. Right. I promise you that. Right. But um, what's, it, what's the thing that kind of made you want to do that? Um, or like hiring those kids. You know, I remember we hired a girl one time, and it's so sad. Just she was so sweet, and just we were trying, trying, trying to make it work. And so she came to work for us, just couldn't do any. We were just trying to give her simple tasks, and finally we just had to fire her. She came back for four days. Wow. She didn't know what firing meant. Wow. 
she couldn't understand she didn't work there anymore. Hmm. And I literally had to put her back to the world. This is before I got involved. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know where she is today. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't put a filter back together. She couldn't learn how to vacuum a pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had no skill sets. And, you know, you see enough of that and you say to yourself, I could sit and just talk about it or I could do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so you'd be surprised, though. There's a lot of people that really don't care in this community, but when you see those Tuesday nights, some of the people that other business leaders in town that actually show up, it's there are some people in this town that have a big heart, and I think the movement is on. Uh, of uh, I think you're going to see a little bit of a change. That's cool. That's I think great. these kids are going to get more of a chance, but it just takes so many of us. Right, right. But anyway, that's kind of what got me is just one night I just woke up and said, I'm, do doing, I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So, if I didn't do it, Julian wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not saving the world, but you save that one kind of deal. Right. <laughs> you know, right. throwing the star. That's the thing, too, is like, it's, yeah. I think that's part of the appeal. I'm like very into politics and watch the videos and podcasts yeah, right. and all yeah. that. And, and a lot, kind of recently, last year, to have realized that it's very easy to use that as a way to think or to justify or make yourself think that you're actually solving problems because you're staying informed and you're thinking right. like, Oh, if they just did this, this problem would be solved, Correct. but it's actually doing nothing. And that, that's, that's right. it's really a form, uh, kind of a way to get addicted to feeling better about yourself being more, you know, watching the political sphere. So been there. that's a, uh, yeah. So that's a, a very good thing that I will now, I have been thinking about more and more and now especially hearing yeah. from your perspective on it is like start doing stuff about it is, is the only way things get things happen um everything you like we've been talking about some awesome stuff uh uh like about you and your journey and things like that and uh but i did want to ask some questions along the realm of uh your actual the the tasks and the jobs and how things are done okay. with the company uh so to change gears a, l- a little bit okay. um i'm curious because i don't know the first thing about actually building a pool and especially some of the pools that and water structures and things that y'all are doing um so whenever so to talk about the actual process of a job, mm-hmm. um, can you kind of walk me through what maybe a commercial job would look like and how well, you're getting it and then doing the work? Yeah, when you're getting commercial work, commercial work will come through generally general GCs, we call them general contractors. Okay, yep. That's the bigger companies that build the stuff and mm-hmm. they hire the electricians, the plumbers to build the apartments, the facilities, the training facilities. And so in that case, we would be what's called a subcontractor of them. They might put the project out to bid. Several pool builders will then bid it. Lisa finds out about them, and we built relationships now. So now, you know, some of these guys will attempt to use us regardless. We've earned their trust, just like some of my competitors have earned trust of other contractors, mm-hmm. so they get those jobs. Um, sometimes it's negotiated work where you don't really go out to bid. They just say, what number do we need to put in here? And then we go design the pool we take it to an engineering firm we work directly with okay they will then engineer the pool because the pool has to get approved in louisiana through department of health and hospitals dhh has to approve swimming pools interesting so we have to put a plan in through dhh get it approved and get it checked off at the end okay once all that happens you know my estimating department bids it 
So, you know, Bethany, Lisa, the crew at the office bids the project. We then go over the bid, make sure we like where we are, and uh, then the bid goes in. If we're awarded the contract, then we go into, uh, like even on our app right now, if I pick up this app here, in the app we use, uh, let's see, let's see here. Uh, we have a pipeline here on the app. It shows every job we got in the works under pipeline. Okay. So we actually, on our the app we use now, we'll keep pipeline so I can go through and see what all jobs we're trying to bid, commercial, calendars. We put every jobs on the calendar when we're supposed to do some process. Okay. So, anyway, so the, life, the life cycle of all, all the jobs The life the cycle of time. everything. From yeah. the time you call the office, that enters the pipeline to the time we erase you because we're not doing your job or to the time you go in from that to the workload. Mm. So once the pool is built, I mean, <clears throat> earned, the first step in constructing a pool would be the day of layout. <clears throat> That's when we get a set of plans and we actually form the pool up where it's supposed to be, okay. elevation or height of it, you know, the right height, mm -hmm. and then we go into excavation. So then we actually come out there with excavators. We start digging. We have guys with shovels carving, getting it perfect. Mm -hmm. We start cutting the depths, getting all that right. How long does that process usually take? It usually takes a day to dig a pool. Okay. You know, if it's a monster pool, we get a big excavator. <laughs> so right. we really want to dig in a day, if at all possible. Okay. It's just a giant. And, and you are you like, uh, so you have it all marked off, but then you're measuring as you're going. Uh, oh, yeah. There's guys checking depths as we go. We're pulling yeah. strings, shooting grades the whole okay. time. Got it. So you got to cut it right. After that's done, you rough in some plumbing, the main drains, anything that goes below. Then you put your limestone bed at the bottom of the pool. Okay. So you overdig it a little bit to allow for a limestone foundation under it. After the plumbing's roughed in, then they start tying a steel cage in there with rebar. Okay. Literally bending rebar to form to the pool shies. And uh, and that's like that's up against the dirt. Well, it's got to be off the dirt a little bit. Okay. So say a wall of a pool is 8 inches thick, the beam is 12, you want the, the rebar about 4 inches off the wall so it's in the center of the concrete, the gunite. Okay. Gunite is simply called pneumatically applied gunite, uh, concrete. Okay. So gunite is concrete that's shot on with a hose, splattered on. Right. It's, it's like a, it's more of like a foamy, it kind of looks foamy when it comes out the hose. It does right? okay. a little bit. I guess that's a good analogy. Okay. And, uh, normal concrete, when you pour concrete on a driveway, it's a little bit wet. Yeah. So if we put it in a tube, actually there's called a slump tube. Say you put a bunch of it, you shoveled it into a tube, then you lifted it, it falls. Yeah. And however much it falls is called the slump. Okay. The more water, the more it falls. Gunite, if I put that in a tube and lift it, it stands up, has zero slump. Okay, cool. So you can carve it on top of itself. It's a very cool process. Mm. And so, well, then gunite the pool. All the pipes are roughed in. When the pool is then gunited, we come back, we wreck all the forms that were holding the gunite back. We clean around the job site, and Gabriel and Sergio and Derek and all my crews and Cap, the guys will start plumbing the pool. They'll literally go down, grab all the pipes, run them back to where the pool equipment's going to be, build a manifold there, which is all the pipes teed together as one unit, mm -hmm. pressure them up with water to make sure we don't have any leaks, and we keep them under pressure. So if anybody hits one of our pipes, it's should spray them just like a geyser. <laughs> so we want to make sure our pipes are solid, mm -hmm. leak-free, 
before we backfill the ditches. Then we backfill the ditches. Uh, at that point, the guys will generally come in and set waterline tile onto the gunite shell, the pretty tile along the perimeter, right, put okay. the coping on top that you stand on to jump in the pool. Once that's all pretty, we'll then come in, set the grades around the pool, get ready to pour concrete around the pool, depending on if we're gonna put a natural stone on top of the concrete or sun deck. So then you come in and pour the concrete. <clears throat> well, now all of a sudden you look out there, you got your pool, mm -hmm. you got your coping, your tile, you got your decks, you can start seeing the picture. Mm -hmm. Oop, that's what it looks like. And uh, ultimately you'll set the pool equipment over there. They'll set the pool equipment, wire it all up, come coat the deck with either a natural stone or a sun deck product. And at the very end, come in there and plaster the pool. Okay. With the pretty coating. You that's got the, the gunites, the structure. Right. The plaster is uh, Portland cement and quartz usually. It's a very fine liquidy product that hardens very quickly. Mm. You hard trawl it smooth. So it's uh, the finished product. That's what makes the pool get the color it has. You can do grays, blacks, whites, oh, cool. a little blue okay. in it. And that's kind of the final thing that makes a pool look pretty. Okay. And then that, so what's the, what's the uh, process or the timeline from after the excavating is done to when the pool's done? You know, I know it depends on the size. When, and all we, that, when but. we sell a home pool, we'll tell people four to six weeks. Okay. For the day we dig the pool, you'll be finished and filled with water. Uh, the actual workload's probably seven to ten days. You mm -hmm. know, you got a little, the gunite has to set up a little bit. When concrete first dries the next day, it's not at full strength. You know, so 90% of the time, unless it's really cool or wet, we will water a gunite. Once the gunite is shot and it hardens that you can walk on it, we'll put sprinklers on it and wet it. Because concrete, the slower concrete, the first five, seven days of concrete, whether it's a concrete driveway, a concrete slab, a gunite shell, when, you know, you got materials in there that are wet. Mm -hmm. So, but yet it gets hard. Mm -hmm. So the only way it's going to get hard is if the water escapes. Correct? Right. It's got to harden. Right. So as that water's leaving mm -hmm. the pool, that's called hydration. It's the chemical reactions happening. The cement, the rocks, everything, it's sand, everything up in there is having a massive chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, heat's given off. Okay. It's given a lot of heat. So is it's, once it's dry enough to handle water, if I cool it off and hold the heat level down, mm -hmm. I slow the curing process and strengthen the gunite. Okay. So the slower that process takes to happen, the stronger it would actually become. Gotcha. So sometimes we'll, we'll water the shell and trying to keep it cool so, right. it's, so it cures nice, nice and steady and, okay. and it can get a little bit stronger. Cool. So uh, so what is the plan then uh, for a pool that's on a second story? It's a little different animal. Like, is it still a gunite pool? Yeah, or? it can be both. We actually have a connection now with a stainless steel manufacturer out of Indiana. We're looking at projects right now with where we help them build stainless steel pools, but we've never actually done one yet. Okay. It's, it's a whole different deal. It's, mm -hmm. We're more of the plumbers and stuff. They set the shell. There's no digging, no excavating. Mm -hmm. Great projects. Uh, now, as far as a gunite, the one we're doing in New Orleans, obviously there's many steel beams over it mm -hmm. to support this weight. Uh, and just last week, they poured what's called the cradle. So where the pool goes, they've already got block wall already in place, filled them up solid to make them super strong, rebar in them. Then they put the beams underneath and they poured a, like a metal cradle, like a parking garage and poured a slab there. 
that cradle is what my pool sits in. Okay. So I had to put a lot of input into that because that cradle is where my pipes come through. All the plumbing's up underneath the pool mm -hmm. in this first floor. So I had to put special fittings in the cradle called water stop fittings, get them placed just right when they were pouring the slab. So now that the cradle's there, I've got to come back in in about a week once it sets up and gets where it needs to be strong-wise. And we will now waterproof the cradle. Okay. Because I'm fixing to put a pool up there. Right. So if the pool sweats, you ever seen condensation on your windows? Right. I can't have any moisture drip Underneath. on their heads. Right. That ain't going to work good. Hmm. So we actually have drains in the cradle. So I have pipes in there that are going to go down to run my pool, make my pool circulate, make the spa jet shoot, make the heat come back to the pool, all that stuff. But I also have three lines in that cradle called drain lines. So if the pool sweats, once I waterproof it, I'll waterproof it multiple stages mm -hmm. and I'll check it each stage to where it's going to be waterproof th three times at least. And I'll triple, quadruple check it. In uh, the pool ever sweats, they have drains in there. So when the water hits my cradle that's waterproofed, it'll run to those drains. Mm -hmm. Go out the drainage out. and get out so no water drips on the people's heads below. Hmm. And so, but we'll test our cradle multiple, multiple times before we come in there. Because after that, I got to put a layer of what's called geofoam, which is a structural engineered foam that my pipes sit underneath to get to where they need to go in the pool. Then we tie the same steel cage we did before, shoot it just like before, hmm. and then I got to waterproof it. Dang. A little more intensively than if it's going in the dirt. Because right. if it's in the dirt, <clears throat> In the pool sweats, who cares? Right. It's raining out there, too. The ground can absorb a ton of water. Right. If I have a little tiny, tiny leak in a pool and I'm in the ground, usually the ground just takes it away. You never know you got it unless you have a big leak. Mm -hmm. So this is the case where there can be no leaks. Hmm. This is, there's no, sounds like there's the, no room for error. That sounds like a big challenge. It's going to be very there's, uh, yeah, there's just, satisfying there's when There's products you're done. that'll do it, but yeah, it'll be a freak show. Yeah. It'll be, <laughs> and it's a negative edge pool. Right, which oh, means yeah, right. when you're on the second floor, the whole back wall has an overflow. Right, that goes into a hidden trough that I've got to design. So it's like the uh, and it's right on Lake Pontchartrain. Oh, so wow. it's going to be a beautiful, be like the lake in the in, on the second story of this house. Yeah, it's going to cool. be nice. It's going to be gorgeous. That's but, really cool. Uh, so, um, what's some of your? Uh, I know you got some good hunting stories. Tell me a good hunting story. Oh my, the past six years, that's funny because every deer, elk, mule deer I have in my office mounted, it's like a little museum, and then I got, mm -hmm. I moved some of them to my house in Mississippi, has been killed in the last six years, that's the cool part. That is cool. Because I gave it up forever. Right. But now I'm a freak show about it. You've been uh, making up for your lost time. Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such, so much fun, but uh, you know, there's one crazy one, when I, when I bought that property with my buddy who I built the pool with before I got into Togo. Mm-hmm. We'd gotten a nice deer on camera, and we didn't have a ton of nice deer out there. It wasn't, wasn't the same level of property we have now, or I have now. And I got this deer on camera, and I kept getting pictures of him for a week, and every picture was the only picture during daylight was at 6 a.m. right at daylight. But there mm. was always deer on camera for about an hour before daylight. Mm. So I realized I couldn't go in right. without bumping other deer. Mm-hmm. So I had an idea in my head. I was going to try it. And uh, the weather changed, the perfect wind, where I thought he was coming from. So I got up at 2 in the morning 
Wow. I actually was at a Christmas party in Baton Rouge. <laughs> and I told Lisa that night, I said, hey, the weather's perfect. I'm leaving here. I'm not drinking a liquor, drink a drop of liquor. Mm -hmm. Do you mind if I leave here at 930? I'm driving to my house in Mississippi. We had a place in Mississippi at the, the property. I drove up, came through my gate, literally turned the lights of my truck off and just had my fog lights on and crept into, didn't even close the gate loud because I didn't want to be, I didn't know what this old buck was listening to because mm -hmm. the stand was close to our gate. Okay. Crawled into my house, didn't turn a light on in my trailer, in my house there. <laughs> Crazy. This is the night before. This is at 11.30 when I finally got right. there from that okay. Christmas party. Woke up at 2 in the morning. I'd been there two and a half hours. Walked. Didn't even drive my electric vehicle. <laughs> got up, walked to that stand. Got in the stand at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was in that stand. Wow. Put my safety harness on. Put another safety strap on my waist. I was strapped <laughs> in the tree and slept. Slept. And crazy story is those does that I kept getting pictures of, an hour before daylight came mm -hmm. and I literally was watching them in the dark, just little silhouettes and they stayed there till daylight fed under me in this acorn tree forever. Hmm. And one of them had a white skull cap on her head, like mm -hmm. had a little white patch on her head. Looked like a little Jewish beanie cap. <laughs> and so they were feeding around and right at daylight, I hear a buck grunt and I'm so excited. <laughs> I turn around, it's a spike. Oh, man, of course. So the spike <laughs> runs in, runs the four does off. Yeah. And I'm like, boy, I really, Makes feel, a bunch of noise I really feel stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there for about another hour feeling like a first-class idiot that I can't tell anybody I did this. They're mm -hmm. going to call me a moron. <laughs> and all of a sudden, out of the same bottom, those does lit, those four does left, four does come back, beanie cap and all. Mm. And they start feeding around again. And so I'm fixing to get down. I'm like, okay, he never come past 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. So he's not coming. It's 8.30 now. And I'm sitting back just kind of forgetting they're even down there feeding. And I hear another grunt, and it sounds like the spike again. I turn around, and the buck I've been looking for is standing on the black old dead-end blacktop road because I'm right by our property line. Mm -hmm. He's standing. I thought he lived down here in the bottom. Mm -hmm. He's been living across the street. Ah, He's on the blacktop, and there he is. This ended up being about 146-inch eight-point wow. with a little drop time. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, oh, my God. I've never <laughs> killed anything close to that big. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm freaking out. And so he starts walking in, and I'm like, he's bigger than I thought he was. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my gosh. And I'll never forget, I'm, I'm around the edge of a tree, <clears throat> and I'm at full draw. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't drawn yet, and I, I'm so nervous. I've never done this before, a deer <laughs> like this. He steps out, and it hits me. I, I blacked out almost. Draw your bow, idiot. <laughs> oh, He's man. in range. I'd already ranged every tree in there. Yeah. Like, kill him. Yeah. It's showtime. You've been waiting for this your whole life. End up getting a bow back, and I'll never forget when I got my bow back to full draw, I said, He's dead. I got him. Mm. Put the pin on him, shot him. He ran off, and the crazy story is my trail camera, I had a Browning trail cam there that I've been looking at. It was on three-shot blast, so when it took a picture, it took three pictures mm -hmm. quickly. It caught the deer on camera after I shot him. Running by. So That's cool. the first picture is him standing there. It's on, on my cell phone now. The deer's standing there right before I kill him. Mm -hmm. The next picture is all you see is his foot and leaves everywhere behind the tree. Man. The next picture is the deer falling hitting the ground, crashing, 
I never saw this in real time. Then he gets back up, and as he's turning, blood is shooting out of his wound on the camera. No way. Wow. And sure enough, at 65 yards, I called my partner, who, like I said, I'm still friends with Dave, two-time mm -hmm. pool customer. <laughs> and he was actually heading up. I said, dude, I killed him. He goes, what'd you kill? I said, that, he said, not that giant. I said, oh, yeah, I'm all over him. He said, That's awesome. walk back to your tree. We'll be there in 30 minutes. I want to bring my son and help him track him, too. <laughs> That's and cool. It was just one of those cool stories where 3 a.m. in the morning, as, yeah. as my old partner said, who I like to work the hardest. But I've always loved to try to do, quote, the impossible within my fear factor. Like, I don't want to jump out of planes. I'm not that mm -hmm. brave. <laughs> But I love the challenge. Like bow, that's why I love to bow hunt. Mm -hmm. Like this year, I've been running cameras for six, seven weeks. And I just have hundreds of, we have so many deer where I'm at on 7,000 acres. Mm -hmm. I have all the deer, and I got files of where on the property <laughs> like this deer is. tracking them all and everything? Oh, really? just loving them. Then they disappear because yeah, you know, yeah. they're so smart. Mm -hmm. So just because you get a picture, now the journey begins. The dance, I call it, mm -hmm. you know, so... You know, next Thursday's opening day of bow season. Is it next Thursday? Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's how the life works, though. I got this huge project, bigger than anything right. we'll ever do, on coming Tuesday. up. Yep. Well, that wasn't on Tuesday. He called me, the guy who I work for called me. Now, we're friends now, thank God. <laughs> he said, what are you doing Friday? We need to go to Houston. I said, what was I doing? <laughs> I said, I'll give you the sentence. Opening day of bow season. He said, oh, dude, it's Thursday, isn't it? <laughs> He's a big fisherman, not a bow hunter. Okay. I said, but look, you know, if I'm going to tell my affirmations to God what I want to do, mm -hmm. and this door's open, I'll bow hunt Saturday. I'll just have to miss opening day. He goes, let me see what I can do. <laughs> so he called me back tomorrow. He goes, how much do you love me? I said, I don't know. He said, I moved the meeting to Tuesday. I said, I love you a lot. Nice. <laughs> so he moved it up. But, you know, but hey, if if you got to give up some things. You right. Know, I don't right. like to, but right. if we had to go Friday, we got to go Friday. Mm-hmm. Got to do My what you got to do. Yeah, they count on me. So That's really cool. But anyway, so that's a cool deer story. And there are many, many more. I mean, it's been, I, I video most of my hunts now. Okay, I was going to ask if you've done, if you've yeah. videoed or have, have you been videos. on a TV show? I actually made Whitetail Properties. Did you? That's I killed cool. the, one of the big 150 inch eight point. They were filming the TV show Whitetail Properties on Togo. Nice. And uh, I shot big deer I had on camera. I come back to the lodge to, to get some help to get him. And the TV crew was there. They were fixing mm. to go hunting that after. I killed them early that day. It had been raining in the afternoon. I went out in the rain, sat in my tree for about an hour in the rain with an umbrella. I had a little tree umbrella. As soon as the rain broke, 20 minutes later, out. he came right out. It was just like a perfect show. So I'm back before they even go hunting for the afternoon. Wow. And they say, uh, what you doing? I said, I got him. <laughs> and I showed him. The, and so the TV guy was there. He said, what'd you kill? I showed him pictures, trail cam pics. He said, good God. <laughs> He said, that deer's dead out there? He said, no, we got to go film it. I said, what do you mean? He said, we're going to go F film it. Film it? Like film, after the Film fact. the recovery. Oh, the recovery. Okay. I thought he was. I thought you were saying he was going to like stage the hunt after the fact well, or something. Well, no, they didn't stage it. <laughs> the recovery was accurate, right. but reshot. Made for TV. <laughs> Made for TV. I started yeah. learning drones were flying in. I mean, nice. it was cool watching the one-hour recovery. Yeah. Drone did this. Did, no, go this way, go this way. So it was accurate. Right. With a slight embellishment. Nice. Cool. Got to make so, it. To Carl, Carl's a TV guy. So he, he, So that was fun just to that. see that. And then, uh, but it's cool now because Primo's guys were hunting elk and 
Colorado and Arizona and New Mexico. So Brad's been sending me pictures of his kills. That's cool. And when we start hunting, when he gets back from those elk hunts, mm -hmm. we'll uh, sit at our, we have houses next to each other. So we'll get together and look at all the pre-footage right. and all the footage <laughs> of the hunts. And That is like the fun, that's almost like the funnest part is looking at all well, the I love the cameraman the most. Stuff. One of the top, one of their cameraman on the show is Lake Pickle. That's his name, Lake Pickle. Lake Pickle. And he's kind of a star of the show, but he's a cameraman, so Lake always has all the footage. So <laughs> when Lake comes to Togo, number one, I, I got all the cameras out, so I'm telling him, hey, go hunt here, go hunt yeah. here. And so it's fun to get with them and see some of the footage they come up with. Yeah, and that's the cool. The passion they have for both being hunting. See, it's called the truth. And the weird thing is they do edit, of course, but mm -hmm. it's really the truth. Like when they hunt on Togo, it it's weird. They do edit. You do reshoot some stuff, but... It happens the way it happened. Like, if mm -hmm. they're calling, they don't edit in calls. Mm -hmm. Like, if it didn't come into a call, they don't edit in a call. Like, it literally, they grunt it, and the deer comes to a grunt, they do the grunt. That's cool. They're not going to fake you out there, so it's a fun thing. Um, you, and you've been, you've killed some elk also? One. One, and One that was bow hunting. Yep, that was cool. So how far away from, were you from an elk? 30, 30 yards. I got that on yards. video, too. My buddy was videoing Man. with an iPhone. It's not... Right. Wouldn't be TV quality, but right. it's fun. I can still rewatch it. Was that like, what's it like 30 yards away from an elk? Yeah, well, the, the cool thing was that was not the first elk we got close to. You know, really? it's very difficult because the wind swirled in those mountains. And right. When you're hunting elk, I'm not a big elk hunter, but, you know, you got your main herd bull, they call it, which has all the cows, the ladies. Okay. Then you got your satellite bulls, which were probably like me in college, <laughs> flanking, <laughs> trying to get the studs. Uh -huh. ladies so we were after a big herd bull and so when that happens you got 11 12 different eyeballs with him his ladies he heard mm. and so there's just so much commotion going on mm -hmm. and if one cow gets a little behind you and gets windy you're done mm -hmm. and i'll never forget we were watching his cows as he's coming down the mountain and i was watching one particular cow the furthest one to us and when she crossed us and didn't go behind us downwind i said he's dead Mm -hmm. I said, we got him because he was coming out. I mean, on video, you can hear him bugle right before he comes. And boy, I was panicked. I mean, <laughs> you talk about that was six years ago. I didn't kill that much of my bow back then. I mean, five years ago. And so I, I, I had trouble pulling the bow back. Really? I lost all muscle capacity and it was just. I've, I've heard that those when you're out there and then amongst them and then they start bugling and going crazy. Oh, it's it is just, wild. It's, it's unreal. Really? It's such a blessing to be able to do that. Matter of fact, we're, uh, now that that was when my kids were in high school. Cause so that started going around homecoming and my daughters would get on the court or something. So I'd have <laughs> to cancel a hunt. Mm -hmm. So I kind of gave it up and went straight to whitetail. Well, now they're all done, so we're starting to book elk hunts again. Oh, so nice. Very cool. So I cannot wait. Cause yeah. I think next time it was so unreal mm -hmm. that I can't wait to go when I know what to expect. Right. So I can maybe soak it all in. Right. The, uh, and it's it's totally different than, like, the typical hunt we do around here. Oh, it's spot Because and it's, right, which we just, you scout and wait. set up a stand around here for whitetail. No, but. and the, the, it wasn't the first bull I was close to killing. Mm -hmm. That's the fun thing. It was there was a lot of failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would get so close. You'd walked so far, and these guys up in these mountains. I was. You think you're in shape. I mean, you're hurting because really? they're used to walking these mountains. Your guides and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I got buddies that do it on public land with no guides. Dang. Like I'm not doing high fence stuff, but I got friends that are freak shows at this stuff. <laughs> like they want to suffer more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I admire. I mean, I love that. Mm -hmm. so. 
Yeah, but elk is definitely, definitely a fun, fun hunt. That's really it's cool. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So. And huge. Oh, and huge. And huge and loud. Yep. So what's um? I'm not gonna keep you on not till midnight for this one. Maybe on the next uh, next okay. time you're out. But um, what's the what's the next? 20, 30 years for you, um, you know, your personal life and then also, also the business. I know you mentioned you're doing some really cool, um, complicated, impressive work on the commercial side. Where do you, where do you see that going? And then what, what do you hope to be doing? Really commercials where as a company, we need to kind of, our goal is to live there. Mm -hmm. We still want to get our upscale residential projects because you get, it's fun. But ultimately, we'd like to become a bigger player regionally in the commercial world mm-hmm. just because the profits go up, the uh, workload goes down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a much higher return on hours spent in the field. And uh, it's it's actually more marketable. Like if somebody was going to buy a pool company, a commercial company would be more appealing to be bought. Right. I don't believe we'll ever, quote, be bought out. I don't know. Uh but you know, I got a daughter who's interested, and then uh, Todd, of course, is going to be a major part of the future. You know, there'll be a day where you know Todd will be running it. I hope, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Todd and some folks. But Todd's definitely going to be the key player. Mm-hmm. He's paid his dues, and uh, that's going to be fun to watch. You know, it's starting to happen. I mean, I'm starting to work a little less. I'm not doing hundred-hour weeks at all anymore. Just ain't happening. Mm-hmm. And I still get up at four every day. Still, we have a gym in our office, so. That's cool. Trying to put off aging as much as we can. A right. personal trainer comes three times a week. Todd and I go in there together with, uh, and she trains us. She's been working out with her for 12 years. She's my wife's trainer, and then Todd and I work out 45 minutes, and um, then we game plan, you know, so by, you know, we start five o'clock, by 5.45 is showtime. Guys start showing up at six, you know, we start lining, we got boards in the back, lining out, making adjustments because of weather. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, uh, you know, like now I, I generally take Fridays off during this time of year. Cool. If I can. Yep. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, certain times of year, I'll take two weeks off and go do my thing. I'll, we probably shut the company down before Christmas now, take two or three weeks off there and I'll stay at my house in Mississippi the whole time. Nice. So that's already starting to happen. That's mm-hmm. a great fruit of the labor because, mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes it so nice. When I, when I drive through the gates of Togo, mm-hmm. just the appreciation, knowing there's nothing better about, I feel like we steal people's, you can't have, I always said you can't have a good day without knowing what a bad day feels like. Mm. If you've always been wealthy, it's hard to understand what wealthy is. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to know both sides of the story to understand the story. I had to hunt horrible land for my first 45 years mm-hmm. where there just wasn't a lot of game to understand what I'm in now. So I have to make sure I realize this is such a blessing to be there. So each year I plan on working a little bit less as we bring on these superstars that we're getting mm-hmm. in-house that are just really getting good. Uh, and I think, I think we're going to, you never know, God might take us in a different direction, but I think our footprint will always be kind of Texas to Georgia as far as commercial pools, Mm -hmm. but we're getting more opportunities to do the bigger and bigger projects like that big Slidell project that, you know, was several million dollars. Mm -hmm. That just, that was a nice 
project that really flooded the company with some good revenue mm -hmm. to really set us up to be able to tackle more and more. And Lisa's so good with money, she doesn't let me spend a dollar. <laughs> so she just lets it, she, she's accumulating yeah. to make us stronger in the marketplace, to make moves on bigger projects if we need to mm -hmm. and not be hurt if we get stuck with a non-payment, you know, make us a little more bullet. Nobody's ever bulletproof, right. you know. You know, all things can happen, of course. But definitely going commercial more. Uh, and we're so much better at it than even four years ago. Some of these, with the vaults and some of the loops we're doing and some of the vertical frequency drives and anometers on wind gauges, you know, that fountain's operated by vertical frequency drives that are hooked into wind meters. So when the wind starts blowing, the fountain can turn itself down. Wow. So it doesn't all blow out of the fountain. Just some technology that my guys understand and I understand is really giving us a real uh, ability to go. Because there's other companies that understand it too. We have mm -hmm. some great competitors all over the, that I, I don't know them all personally, but I just see some of their works unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But we can compete too. You know, so we're just as good, you know, as they are. We're, we're positioned to really go there and we have the capital to do it now finally. Right. To where we don't have to make money decisions anymore. Right. You know, in our little world. Mm-hmm. You know, That's so. great. That's very Definitely cool. Definitely phasing out. I would, I'm 52. I'd like to shoot by 55, maybe work three days a week. I don't know. Nice. Whatever. Maybe work in some fishing in there, too. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> bow fishing. You've done that, right? No, I hadn't. Oh, man. that you got to do that. Well, you know, bow hunts year-round for me. So bow I gotta, hunts year-round. Okay. Right. I have turkey hunt, too. Okay. So when Kansas closes, I go to my place in Kansas, start scouting after the season. Okay. We start putting up more stands from what we changed from that year. And then we usually go up there and check cameras during early part of the season. We just so what are you do? So what are you doing in like April? Well, if the water our place floods when the river goes up, but the river's off. I'm at Togo. Really building okay. roads, putting culverts in. If okay. we flooded this road went out, we we bring our excavators, our equipment. We got a bunch of John Deere tractors. We got dozers. Mm -hmm. So I'm up there playing. Nice. I put 110 <laughs> miles tracking with the Onyx app on my skid steer. Wow. In the month of uh. August, in, September, in, a month. in four weeks. <laughs> wow. And we were running back and forth, had excavators. I was running the skid steer. My buddy was running the excavator. We were putting pipes and culverts on low parts of the road, grabbing dirt, building up roads another foot or two. So hmm. this time the water won't go over them. Is this, is, are y'all making this a place where people can, can pay to come hunt? Oh, no. No, just no, for we're, you. We're selfish. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is that. for my partners and yeah. our guests. Yeah. That's correct. You want, so you want it to be a nice place. Yeah, it's not yeah. a hate to say it but no uh it's it's only it's private for right. owners and, cool uh, stuff like that so cool well i i, I will uh I'll, why don't we close it out because we we could probably like you mentioned we could probably talk no, for a yeah. while longer but uh guy i really appreciate you coming to chat with me um and if for anyone listening you should absolutely as carl i'm sure has been doing a little bit over there uh go check out his website and social media because the pictures and the work that that y'all are doing is pretty phenomenal it's it's well, I great that. i like how also whoever's doing your marketing stuff whenever they post i think actually maybe yesterday or today i saw a post that was a nice, just like super clean backyard pool with some lawn chairs and a couple of fountains on the edge of the pool shooting into the pool. And then the caption was just like, you owe it to yourself or something like that. You know, and I was that's like, actually that is my cool. daughter. Is it? My oldest. Props. I mean, my middle, uh, Katie, 23 year old. We have 20, 23, and 25, all girls. 
uh, and Katie works in New York. Oh, wow. But she also runs social media for us. Cool. And hopefully we can get her back home and work with the company. She, right. She, What's she doing in New York? She came up with the idea. When she first got out of college, she mentioned working for us. Uh-huh. And I did not want it. Okay. I didn't want her coming right out of school and working for us. I told her, go out and get some experience. Do something on your own. Well, like I said, all our girls work. Mm-hmm. So she had made a bunch of money babysitting while at LSU, being a KD, doing all that stuff. I think her last year she told me she made just around thirty grand babysitting while at school full-time and graduating wow. in three years. And she knew that. This is the cool part. I said, number one, how? But she <laughs> right. kind of built a little brokerage business where she supplied babysitters. And really? I don't, not, I don't know if she's marketing. I don't know how it works. Something like maybe she has entrepreneurship in her blood little or something. Bit. Yeah. And she made great money, and I was so proud. But the way she knew how much she made, I said, how would you track how much you made? And this is the coolest part. She said, I knew because I got my tithe report from church, mm. and I had donated $3,000. That's cool. She'd given her 10% yeah. to church at a college student. Now, when I was a college student, I got to tell you, <laughs> wasn't no donating going by me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to wreck every life I could. Every... <laughs> so when she couldn't work, she was looking for different jobs. She called me one day. She goes, I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm going up to New York and nannying. Really? So she went and got certified in New York. Bought her own plane ticket, got her own apartment, no money from me. She had money saved from college and ended up getting a job up there with a family up there who's just hyper, hyper successful in the Mm. B range Mm. and just loves the family. And she takes care of a four-year-old. And now it ended up being because of Corona, there was a four-year-old and twin three-year-olds for this family and, uh, she ended up being quarantined with them at their house, mm. their summer home, and the other nanny had to leave her son. So now she had all three kids by herself. So they started giving her raises, and it's if she ever comes work for me, it'll be a massive pay cut. <laughs> but so she's nannying, but in the evening she does social media, yeah, that's a little cool. bit like her dad, just yep. a grinder, right, and just killing it just killing it in her social media god like you say she blows me away what yeah, she does it's great all the photos and like all the things that y'all are doing and and posting all the time and things like that yeah it's it's really good um and like i said i mean the product that y'all do is incredible like yeah, it's fun to it's, watch it, it really is a pinch yourself moment when mm-hmm. you think back at 33 years old i'm watching a 9-11 while washing cars mm-hmm. and to think that god can take a car wash guy and 18, 19 years later, be building commercial pools over the southeast. I didn't have that vision. It's just, it's, I don't even know. If you really asked me to map it, it'd be complicated. Mm. I still don't know how I got from there to here, except him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's a pinch yourself thing. When I see some of these product projects, you got to say to yourself, it is fun. You know, my dad used to say, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I know I did, I picked on myself nonstop. Never good enough. Mm-hmm. When you strive to be great, you know, you watch a Drew Brees mm-hmm. and you watch how competitive he is at everything he does. I mean, it's just so inspirational, you know, but he'll have a game where he throws some interceptions. Mm-hmm. And even Drew Brees throws interceptions. Tom Brady, they throw interceptions, you know. We make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're fallible. We're not God. We're, you know, we're, we're fallible. So, you know, my dad one time told me, I admire your desire for perfection, 
but I think you pick on yourself so much and you're so hard on yourself, you're hurting yourself. Hmm. That you do eventually have to let yourself know you're good. You know, it's, it's a fine line between arrogance, or as I used to have in my younger days, artificial. Mm-hmm. Arrogance, which I think is more common, where we're really not as bold as we think we're all, really insecure deep down inside, but we try to act tough. And confidence. So I've had to find that balance to where I am very, very, very proud of what we built, my employees, my customers, everything that makes up GW Oliver. And at the same time, stay humble enough to stay that you can do it better next time, but still celebrate. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Sometimes when I look at those things that she posts or pictures my photographer takes, you're like, thank you, God. Like mm-hmm. we, we are getting really good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say you're good. And then, but you're still humble because you realize you're still fine anyway. It's a, it's a fine line. Right. I think we all, well, you ever feel that same way? Oh where, yeah. I can very much relate to wanting to do things perfectly and then, yeah. yeah and then, and then feeling like inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. Me right, too. Right. Right. It's that fine line. Cause mm-hmm. it's like I lived my whole life when I was so arrogant, inadequate. Mm-hmm. Deep down inside, if you dug into me at 25 and 35 and you get through that core that wasn't real, you could see that, even though I didn't show the world that. And now it's nice because I don't show the world that, but it's, it's almost like the inside has come out, the outside has come in. Yeah. So you kind of, you start getting to know who you are. I think that's what's so fun about being 50 and 48. And like I said, hopefully you get it at 30. Mm-hmm. But mature, I should say. It's not an age thing. It's just a, getting to be a human being. Right, right. <laughs> so, but anyway. That's cool. Oh, fan- this has been fantastic. I'm like, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this a couple times, I think, to, to pull all the stuff out that you shared with me. So, um, but thank you again. I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been awesome. It's been fun. It really yeah. is. You just kind of let it out and kind of hear the story develop because it, it's been a weird journey. Yeah. So I've enjoyed it too. I appreciate y'all inviting me. Absolutely. Um, Thanks again. I mean, I don't have an outro or anything for it, but (laughs) I usually just cut it. it. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Thank y'all. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am pumped that we were able to record this with Guy. Thanks again, Guy, for uh, spending a couple hours with me. Um, It was invaluable uh, to get to talk to you. I'm, uh, like I said, in the podcast. I'm going to go back and listen to this a few times, I think. Really, really enjoyed hearing your story and uh, hearing about how you've developed both personally and professionally. Um, Again, great stuff, great things that I'm going to take away from the conversation. So thank you again, Guy, for coming out. And thank you for listening and downloading this episode. Uh, If you would like to, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Not required, but always appreciated. And a massive thanks to our sponsor for this episode. It's GW Oliver Construction. And I would love if you go check out their social media presence and their website um not just to do me or guy a favor but to do yourself a favor because their work is incredible and you will love picturing yourself in some of these pools that uh that i cannot afford but maybe one day we'll be able to enjoy thanks again for listening thanks again to guy i will see you on the next episode Mm -hmm.